Roadshow, episode number 142, brought to you by Freshly and SeatGeek. <laughs> What's going on? My name is John Morgan. I am home in Las Vegas, just warm, sitting inside my, my office here, shorts and a t-shirt, got the fan on, just enjoying it, right? Just this beautiful December afternoon in Las Vegas. Meanwhile, cold coffee is about as cold as you can get. Chilling up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada for UFC on Fox 26, where it is cold as hell. Uh, the high today, as we sit down to record on a Thursday like we do, 17 degrees. That's the high. I had to make sure it wasn't listed in Celsius. I had to double check and make sure I was looking at it right. You believe that? My man. Making the sacrifices, doing what he has to do to bring the coverage to the fine folks, the MMA junkie. The young Mike Bond is up there as well. Traveling across Canada, I think he's going to end up in Vancouver when the week is over. But uh, yeah, they're handling business up there at USC on Fox 26, and we will hear from them shortly. I actually kind of took a week off this week, uh, a couple of days off anyway. My mom came in town for uh, just kind of a little holiday celebration. This was the... The, uh, the cheapest time she could find and what was convenient for her because, of course, she's got family to celebrate with back in Dallas. But my mom came in town, and we've been uh, spending time with me and my son and my mom and, uh, you know, kind of doing Las Vegas things but doing holiday things as well. So it's been nice. Had a, had a couple days off. It's been uh, the closest thing I'll ever get to a vacation, basically. I don't take a lot of time off. I'm not, I'm not real good at, uh, at taking time off. Probably need to get better at that. But it's been fun, man. If, is anybody who... Uh, has kids know, man, there's, there's something cool about, uh, you know, kind of seeing your kid and your, and your, your parents together. Uh, I don't know. Some, something kind of special about it, man. Seeing the generations, you know, my mom and, uh, it's, it's cool. It's really cool. It's been, it's been fun to see. It's been a fun week for my son. So he's really been enjoying it. Um, but that's that, just because I'm taking some time off. That doesn't mean we don't do the road show. You know, we don't take time off 142 consecutive weeks, my friend. That is what's up. We bring it to you. Uh, we did get a chance to put in a little bit of work together, myself and Cold Coffee, before he uh, headed out to the great white north. We did the uh, the Ultimate Fighter 27 trials. Of course, after we got back, or I got back, I should say, from Fresno, California. Hopefully you listened to that and a half episode. That was a fun night, especially with no other media there. Makes it, It's always kind of fun. I, I like covering those smaller shows. I really do. Uh, but it certainly was a, a great night. And, of course, the continued fallout this week from Brian Ortega's incredible performance has been something. But on Tuesday, it was the Ultimate Fighter 27 tryouts at the Palace Station, uh, the glorious, luxurious Palace Station, uh, which is right around the corner from Cole Cobby's house. He could basically walk there. So convenient for him. But he was flying out to, uh, to Winnipeg the next day. So we actually got to cover the Ultimate Fighter 27 tryouts. And I got to say, Listen, I know that the Ultimate Fighter isn't everybody's cup of tea anymore. I get it, but this was fun, man. I, I've covered a lot of these tryouts over the years, man. We've 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 been covering them for, you know, ten years since I moved out here, uh, you know, a decade ago, and we've covered a lot of these bad boys. But uh, I, I thought there was a nice collection of talent. If you haven't heard the concept this year is Battle of the Unbeaten's, so you got to have an undefeated record this year to be on the Ultimate Fighter. So. 
not only do you have to have three professional fights, which is always, well, not always, but as of lately has been the standard, but you got to be undefeated. So that means a minimum of 3-0 and o as a professional in order to come in and try out. Welterweights, lightweights, and featherweights were invited. That does not mean that they'll use all three divisions. It doesn't even mean they'll use two divisions. They could just use one division. You know, they just give themselves options, basically. Uh, there were over 100 fighters that came out, undefeated fighters that made it uh, into the tryouts. The biggest uh, number was at featherweight, and then there was so it was it was actually pretty evenly distributed. There were just over 100. I think 41 were featherweights and. Uh, 30-something were lightweights, like 29 welterweights. So it was, it was skewed towards the featherweight division, but it wasn't crazily skewed. Um, we don't get to cover the whole thing. We, we, we just get to come in. We get to cover kind of everybody signing up, and then we can kind of walk around the room and grab some people as we want, do some interviews. They let us do some talk to the fighters. And I got to say, man, I, I feel like this year too, there was some real eagerness for people to get on camera. Some of these applicants that in the past – you know, it seems like they're kind of shy or reserved or standoffish or whatever, man. They were like, hey, let's let's get on camera. Let's do it. So it was just a good vibe all the way around, man. I felt like some real talent in the room. And uh, people get it, man. They, they get it. This is not just about fighting skills. It's about marketability as well. they got to be comfortable in front of the microphone. they got to be comfortable on camera. So I don't know. It was a fun experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, don't know. Haven't heard much since as far as what they decided to do. Normally, you you kind of start to hear a little bit of rumors of which way they're leaning. But ultimately, uh, we'll see what decision they make. Filming is set to begin in uh, early January. And then the show will, will debut uh, later on this year. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I get it that people are tired of the Ultimate Fighter. I really do. I, t- I totally understand. And if you're not watching it, it's not for you anymore. Cool, but I I really don't understand the whole push to get rid of the Ultimate Fighter. You know, you talk to these fighters, and it's a dream scenario for them. It's a it's an opportunity for these fighters to make their way into the UFC. And you know, there's other ways now. You got the Contender Series. You got looking for a fight. Of course, the biggest way is just always keep your ass in shape and be ready to step in on late notice. I mean, that's the, that's that's the easiest way it seems to me. This is this is a great way to get in as well, and and you know it's it's a in some ways it's better, in some ways it's the most preferable way. Now it kind of sucks that you got to spend six weeks away from home, uh, isolated. It's, it's such a tough experience, and people will tell you how difficult it is. But if you do make it on, and if you do happen to make it to UFC, I mean, yes, I get it. The audiences are dwindling to a bit, but you're getting seen by people. You know, you you're, you're getting seen by people. You're getting to show your brand both as a fighter and as a person, and then there's a connection to you. And I think that's what it, it's all about is making that connection. You come in as a late replacement, nobody's ever heard of you. You know, how much interest is there? How much interest is there in, in your fight? And that's ultimately what you want, right? I mean, people are always talking about better fighter pay, more money. Well, how do you get better fighter pay, more money? You have public interest. This is a business. You have to sell tickets. You have to sell merchandise. You have to have people that want to come watch you fight you know when people say oh i can't believe it, it you know you only get ten thousand to show and ten thousand to win as an entry-level fighter i mean i get it I, I would love for everybody to make more money i would love for everybody to make more money but look at it from the ufc's perspective you know the the opening fighter of the night are they selling twenty thousand dollars worth of tickets i don't know I, I don't think so i don't think so so anyway 
I just say that I, I think the Ultimate Fighter still has a place, even though I know people hate it and people want to take it out, out back and give it the old yeller treatment <laughs> behind the barn. Um, you know, I, I think it still has a place. Now we'll see the new TV deal. Maybe the new TV partners don't want it. Maybe they're not interested in it. Maybe they're not interested in, in, in the product and it goes away. But for now, you still see people that are interested. So, listen, I, I thought it was a good collection of talent. Just a little bit, we got to see there were quite a, quite a few people that were um, that were the real deal. And I think you know th that undefeated record thing th that probably had a lot to do with it. And I guess that's you know just one season, and maybe it's kind of sticky or whatever. But um, I, I liked it. I liked I liked the idea at least from what I saw. So, didn't hear anything about coaches. You know, basically just hearing different scenarios bandied about. But, man, I can I be honest and say I like the idea of Tyron Woodley and Colby Covington on there? I know a lot of people might not be on that Colby Covington train. I, I know a lot of people are annoyed by him. But tell me that wouldn't make some good TV. And I'm not about the drama. I'm not all about the drama. I'm not. I'm about the fights. That's what matters at the end of the day. But, you know, you got Woodley who's hurt. He's, he's got this shoulder procedure that he's going to go through. So he's not going to be fighting anytime soon. GSP, with his situation, it's not like GSP's dropping down to welterweight uh, anytime soon to challenge for that title. So I don't think you'd be screwing any divisions up by bringing those two guys on there. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think it would make for good TV. You tell me Colby Covington wouldn't annoy the hell out of Tyron Woodley over time? Oh, man. And then you add quality fights to that, I, I'm down. I'm down. Again, I haven't heard that that's the way they're going, but I like the idea if they're thinking about doing it. All right, you know what else I'm down for? You know what it is. Freshly.com, meal delivery service. Listen, by now you've heard about it, right? I mean, it's the best thing on the market. You get weekly prepared meals delivered to you fresh, never frozen, cooked by chefs, straight to your door. All you got to do is heat them up three minutes flat, you're eating, you're grubbing. It's always fresh, never frozen, 100% all natural, no artificial flavors, preservatives, no refined sugars, no gluten. It's good stuff for you, man. And it tastes good, I'm telling you right now. Chicken parmesan, buffalo chicken, I've been tearing that up. My wife, she, she liked this turkey shepherd's pie. She never had a shepherd's pie in her life. She liked it, and she's been crushing the chicken tikka masala as well. It's good stuff, man. They got good meals. And, you know, if you've been thinking about pulling the trigger, do it. I don't know how much longer they're going to give us this promo code, but all you got to do is go to Freshly.com, type in the promo code ROADSHOW. That's all one word, ROADSHOW. They're going to give you $40 off your first two deliveries. That's $20 off a week for your first two deliveries. If you want to get the six-meal plan, that's their most popular. That means it's only $39 a week for the first two weeks. I'm telling you, if you're thinking about pulling the trigger, maybe it's, uh, you know, New Year's resolution time or whatever, this is what's up. It's going to save you time. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup, no none of that. It's easy. I'm just telling you, if you've been thinking about it, if you're on the fence, pull the trigger, my friends. It's worth it. All right, here's what else we did at the Ultimate Fighter uh, tryouts. We caught up with our man, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. He was in the building as well. He was there supporting some teammates that were there uh, trying to get in. He was hanging out, basically rolled out of bed as far as I could tell and came down to talk to us, but was generous with his time and gave us a few minutes just to catch up with him. And, of course, you know if we can stick a microphone and a camera in front of Derek Lewis, we're going to do that. Excited that I don't think his fight's been officially announced yet, which we kind of touch on in, in the quick interview, but 
scheduled right now to fight uh, on February 18th at USC Fight Night 126 in Austin, Texas. Derek Lewis versus Marcin Tibora. That's what's on the plate right now. It's good to see him back. You know, with him talking about walking away at one point, uh, I think we all knew that wasn't going to happen. But uh, had a chance to speak to him. Here's what Derek Lewis had to say. Derek, we're guessing you're not trying out for the Ultimate Fighter today. So what brings you to uh, to Las Vegas and the beautiful Palace Station? I'll probably try out for the Ultimate Fighter in a few years. You know, if I get cut, you know, I'll try out for the Ultimate Fighter then, maybe. Getting ready for the comeback season at some point? Yeah, for sure. You know, well, right now I'm feeling pretty good. You know, my back is good. It's been like six days and counting that I have no back issues at all. You know, I went to... Um, on it facility out there in Austin, and they, I believe they really fixed my back. So we'll see. You know, training been going good. I feel like I'm in shape right now. So we'll see when February the 18th come around. What has been the focus? I mean, obviously, has it just been really just getting your back healthy again? Because it seemed like it, maybe the health issues were causing some motivation issues, causing some frustration. So what's the past few months been like for you? Past few months, it has been like depressing a little bit, you know seeing other guys rise and I'm still in the same position I'm in, you know, um, you know, the opportunity is there, you know, the heavyweight division is wide open, you know, a lot of guys been getting popped for steroids, stuff like that, and, and move me in position still in, in a pretty good, uh, <clears throat> pretty good spot to get the title shot pretty soon. So, you know, I believe two wins in a row right now and two good wins against decent opponents, you know, um, I believe I'll try to shot right around the corner. You were talking about walking away at one point. I mean, was that just a, a, a you know, a flash moment that you just were upset? Or, I mean, was that something you had really been considering and have had to think about? Well, it was just because I just needed some time off, man. You know, I was fighting way too much. You know, my mind wasn't right. You know, I was having trouble at home, like, just arguing all the damn time for stupid shit, you know, so... I just needed some time off, and I got the time off, and I believe I'm ready to go now. Nice. So the head's in a good place. So start out with the mental game more than the physical game. Yeah, for sure. You know, I believe, like, all the time it's more, it's 80% mental than, like, 20% physical. I say that all the time. You know, it's, it's true. Yeah. What is the update on the back? I mean, did you have to do any therapy or rehab? Or, I mean, obviously not surgery didn't sound like, but what, what is the update? Yeah, I've been doing therapy, rehab, or what. Um, They've been really just stretching out my back. They say it's mostly muscle tissue, you know. It's not really um, nothing wrong with my spine or anything like that. It's just muscle. So just just tell me I need to stretch, put my legs behind my head, stuff like that. And they've been pretty good. My wife, like, you know, we're trying different different moves in the bedroom. So, yeah, I, I appreciate them for doing that. Yeah. That helps the family life too, right? Yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, I'm 32 years old now, and I'm doing things that I never think I, I was doing back then. Um, I saw you messing with Mick Maynard a little bit. Uh, I do want to ask you, you know, seeing Francis Naganu rise and get that top shot, you two guys were kind of rising up the ranks together, and now you see him fighting for a championship. What's, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, are you, are you happy for the guy? Are you respected? Is it frustrating? What, what's your thought? I just think it's racist, man, you know. I'm an American black guy. You know, he's from France, you know. They got to they gotta step their game up, man. You got to show me some love, man. I've been through more than you have. Nah. <laughs> what do you think about that matchup? You think he's got a shot against Steve Bears? It's too much too soon for him. Well, I believe it's going to be a good fight, you know. Um, you know, Steve ain't been rocked before. Francis, he have not been really touched before, you know. So 
it's going to be an interesting matchup, you know, but hopefully if Francis wins, then I'm going to come in line and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Francis out, you know. That's a fight you want at some point. That's a fight I want after this fight right here. You know, so hopefully everything goes good and goes plain. That's the fight I want. We know you're getting back in February. Uh, what's what's the plan between now and then? Are you, are you training in Houston? Are you got anything changing up? Are you doing anything different? Yeah, I'm training a little bit in Austin, too, at the Onyx facility. Uh, I'm going to be training here for the next couple of days at the, um, the what they call it? The PI is what the cool kids call okay. the Performance Institute. The PI Performance Institute. I'm going to try, try that a little bit. Uh, I don't. Can we talk about Martin Tabor? Is the, is the is the ink dry on the contracts yet? Or, or yeah, yeah, we could talk about him. What do you What do you think about the matchup? Obviously, he's coming off a, a lock, but uh, you know he's had some good fights as well. What do, what do you think about him as an opponent? Um, I believe that he's a dangerous opponent. You know, he's flexible guy. He's well rounded. He's good on the ground. Good standing up. Um, he's durable. You know, he can go. All five rounds, all three rounds. You know, I believe it's going to be an interesting, interesting um, test for me. You know, but I believe I get the job done. I promise you, I can. And you feel like with a win, especially if it's an emphatic win, you think you can get a title shot? Um, you know, I believe I had to face a more tougher opponent than him. You know, but if not, it's fine. You know, if they give it to me, that's that's cool too. You know, but. I'm not really like, oh, no, I should supposed to get the side of shot. So it's fine. You know, I'm good. So Derek Lewis talking about uh, just needing a little time off. I think we all knew that. Glad to hear that he's uh, rejuvenated, refreshed, working at the Onnit Academy, which I wasn't aware of. So makes even more sense that he's fighting in Austin. You know, I just thought it was, you know, the Texas ties, the Houston to Austin. But he's actually spending some time in Austin, so that makes sense. And uh, always, of course, the uh, the humorous angle of how he wants that title shot and <laughs> how the matchmaking is racist and how his recovery is giving him extra moves in the bedroom. That'll make sure you're not fighting with the lady. <laughs> All right, well, that was about the extent of my work week, to be honest with you. I, I came home from Fresno. I uh, had one day of work and then did the Ultimate Fighter tryouts, and that was that was pretty much it. <laughs> the rest of it, I've been kind of hanging out, enjoying a few days with my family, which has been phenomenal. But you know the MMA world goes on. You know it carries on, and there was something else that happened this week. Down in Los Angeles, Bellator held a uh, a luncheon down there where they brought out the first two heavyweight participants in the Grand Prix. Of course, uh, it, it was finalized this week. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm kind of bummed about this, but it is what it, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for my I'm, – I'm excited that we got you covered coast to coast is what I'm excited for. But uh, I will not be at UFC 220 in Boston, which I'm a little bummed about because, of course – Stipe Miocic, Francis Nagano, who doesn't want to see that fight? Good Lord, that's going to be fun. Um, but I will actually be at Bellator 192, which is the exact same night on the opposite side of the uh, country in Inglewood, California. That, of course, is when Douglas Lima faces Roy McDonald for the welterweight title. And Quentin Rampage Jackson and Chael Sonnen kick off the heavyweight Grand Prix. That's an opening round fight. Michael Chandler versus Goethe Yamauchi is on that card as well. That's a pretty good uh, pretty good little fight there. 
Conor Gracie makes his MMA debut as well. So, listen, there's some interesting things there. Am I bummed I'm missing Miocic versus Ngannou? I am. But cold coffee will be there. So the MMA Roadshow will be covering you coast to coast. And, of course, MMA Junkie will be covering you coast to coast. Matt Erickson will be out there as well. So that is going to be a busy, busy, busy week of mixed martial arts action. I was actually joking with uh, some of the Bellator PR staff. I'm like, if, if you've got some bad news to drop, that's the week to drop it. Because <laughs> it's going to get covered up quickly with all the news that's going to be coming out. So anyway, they had a luncheon. Rampage Jackson and Chael Sonnen were the featured participants of this. Um, Chael, what I figured, here, here's what I thought. Chael's got his own podcast. Chael gets an opportunity to be on microphone a lot, right? So he had some great things to say, as always. If you want to go check it out, just go to the MMA Junkie YouTube channel, and you will find the full scrum right there for Chael Sonnen, and you can watch it. But what I thought was, for the Roadshow listeners, you probably want to hear Quentin Rampage Jackson, right? He's the one you don't get to hear from very often. And I thought he was in pretty good spirits. Now, I was not there. Our man Dave Mandel, longtime Sure Dog employee who unfortunately was, was laid off earlier this year. We've been trying to use him whenever we can because he is a, a talented photographer and videographer. He was there for us. So he actually uh, was able to, to listen in and, and record all this for us, and much thanks to him. Simon Simano, our L.A.-based editor, was there as well. Uh, but uh, I have to say, the heavy lifting in the scrum was going to uh, Scott Peterson of MMA Weekly. Old school, MMA Weekly crew. Uh, and you'll hear Mark Raimondi's voice as well pipe in with a couple questions. But I thought you guys want to hear this. Quentin Rampage Jackson. So Chell said that it's kind of a... Fuck Chell! What the fuck he say? <laughs> fuck Chell! <laughs> he said you're being cordial. Oh, okay. He's cool, then. <laughs> so, are, are, is it is it different uh, finding somebody in the tournament once again, pride style, and, and being the not going after is, each other? Is this really pride style? I don't know. It, it's as close as you're going to get. As close as I'm going to get, huh? Well, what's your question? Let me get this right. You guys are being cordial. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think it's it's down to uh, Chell and I. We're like uh, we're veterans in the game now. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, you know, we've been professional. Chael has good energy, and I, I like that. When you get around a fighter that you want to fight, it's, for me, it's all about their energy because, uh, to me, you know, it's, it don't matter. I fought people that I, I love, and I fought people that I dislike, you know what I'm saying? So, with me, it, 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 don't, it don't matter, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, once I get inside that cage or that ring, you know, it don't, it, it, none of it matters. So, I can, I can be cordial. I could be cordial and stuff now, you know. I'm 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 maturing every year. Every year I notice every year when I get close to my birthday, I mature a little bit more and more, and it scares me because I'm a big kid. I don't want to lose that. He says that the fighters of today don't have the grit like the fighters of your time, and he mentioned you as being one of the gangster fighters, uh, tough guys. Uh, do you see that in the in the sport? I, I agree with him 100. percent That's and that's what I've been complaining about. For so long, I feel like uh, uh, I feel like a lot of the new fighters are like game planning a little bit too much, and uh, I think that is 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 killing our sport. Like uh, you know, no disrespect to nobody, but um, you know, boxing was really was really big. Now boxing trying to come back right now, but for a while, you know, you watch boxing and you feel like you wasn't getting your money's worth a lot, 
And so I think MMA can, can you know, since it evolves so fast, it can it can go that way. But I honestly think that's down to the American fans. Because, you know, if you guys think about it, I come from fighting in Japan to where, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, in Japan, like, it don't matter if you win or lose. As long as you fought with, like, the warrior spirit, you was respected. But in America, you know what I'm saying, you got a lot of fair weather fans. People be cheering for you hard and the next. And as soon as you lose a fight, you all type of bummed and they talk bad about you. Then they come on your social media and, and give you a lot of slack. And so, it, so uh, you know, fighters, we're humans just like everybody else. And on a subconscious level, you know what I'm saying, you know that's going to kind of happen, especially with how popular and, and, and social media is with all the keyboard warriors. It's something that I wasn't used to when I was coming up fighting Japan. We didn't have, like, the social media. And if they did talk shit on, on me, it was in Japanese. So <laughs> I wouldn't know anyway. So. And so, you know, come, you know, I still have that type of fighter spirit, you know. I still, like, I'm fighting for the Japanese fans. Like, I, I, when I go in and fight, I, I want to give an exciting fight no matter what, you know. I risk, I risk losing all the time just to, um, just to excite the, um, the fans. But in America, like, the, 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 the fighters, they're, like, game planning, and they, they're scared to make mistakes. Everything's super methodical. They, and and then and they fight just to win. They don't they don't fight to entertain that much, and 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 it's making for boring fights a lot. Do you feel like fans have turned on you, you know, since, since your last fight? Oh yeah, yeah, fans. Oh yeah, fans turn on me when, whenever I lose a fight. Like even my fight, my last fight with King Mo, <clears throat> I thought that was like a, a a real a really close fight. All my fights with King Mo was really close. Could have gone either way, but you know, say I didn't cry like King Mo and said. Like, 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 cry, cry baby. Oh, I thought I won it. I thought I won it. You know what I'm saying? It's a fight, man. Both people can't get your hand raised. You know what I'm saying? But I felt like I fought like a man, though. And I, and I did some stuff outside of my comfort zone. I tried to take him down. Hell, I took him down one time with a little uh, sneaky trip. And, you know, I just, I just didn't do it uh, enough to get my hand raised, I guess. And, 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 um, and yeah, fans talk crap. They talk shit. You know, like when they can't even do half of what we do, they couldn't even. They couldn't even. They probably couldn't even make it through a, a training camp, let alone get in there and, and and fight another man. But and so that's why I think I'm thinking it's down to the American fans. Amer the Amer I'm, I'm telling. You, I fought in a couple different places in the world, and I love America. I'm American, but I have to say that American fans are the worst. I have to say it. I'm being honest. They can get mad at me. Like I said, and they there's something they need to work on. Like if you like somebody. If you're a fan of of a fighter, as soon as he loses, don't jump ship. You know what I'm saying? That's when that's when the fighter need their fans the most. And so so we need y'all to lift us back up and tell us to get back in in, in the gym and, and train harder, not not jump ship and and talk shit about us because it's a mental it's a mental thing. It's a, it's a mental fight as well. You know what I'm saying? We need we need our fans to to be with us even when we lose. And a lot of American fans. A federal weather fan. So I said it, you know what I'm saying? And, and fans can talk shit about me all they want. I'm just keeping it real. How excited were you to get a heavyweight fight, not having to cut weight? I'm really happy to be a, uh, to be a heavyweight. I, I, honestly, I'm going to miss uh, 205 because I look at the old pictures, and that's when I was in my best shape and I was ripped. I had abs. And so I saw my picture when I fought Chuck Liddell, and I had abs coming out of my back. Man, I was in good shape. I'm probably going to miss those days, but um, I have a really good uh, nutritionist, and uh, like I said, like my thyroid 
was really bothering me and uh, I saw a specialist and my nutritionist, I know he's really good, the best I ever had because he knew about uh, thyroid problems and I read somewhere about the uh, iodine or something that I need to go with my with my thyroid and and even even he even he said that and my specialist didn't say it and he knew about it. I said, oh, this is really good nutritionist. And um, so I've been um, working with him uh, for, for like three three weeks and I'm already seeing like, uh, I'm already seeing results. Like he got me on a lot of protein and stuff, living weight so I can get bigger and stronger, turn a lot of my fat into muscle and my and my um, my thyroid medicines and stuff is working and the iodine and stuff is kicking in. So, you know, who knows? I might be able to make it back to 205 if, uh, if um, if you know, if I keep working with his nutritionist and everything go uh, go according to plan, I'm really happy with the results um, that I'm seeing. But it's 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 really bad when you when you when you have like a bad thyroid. It's like a underactive. That's the worst one. I really have an overactive thyroid. It's it's the worst one. It, it, it really bothers you. So uh, what are you walking at right now? And what are you going? What do you expect to find out? Well, uh, lately I've been. Um, I started. I started my training camp at two sixty one, you know, and then I've been um, my weight been going up and down because I'm drinking a gallon of water a day now, and I'm lifting weights like a madman. So I'm putting on. I know I'm putting on muscle, and so you know I'm probably walking around like like uh, two fifty five, two sixty. Do you plan to fight at two fifty five? I don't know. I, I would rather. I would rather weigh like two. 240, 230, but I just don't, I just don't see me getting there with, with all the water I'm drinking, with all the protein and uh, weights I'm lifting. Randy, you've uh, been in the fight game for so long, so this, this <clears throat> late in your career, what's the motivation for you? Money! Hell yeah, wrong with you. I've been honest about it. I don't fight for fame. I don't, I don't fight for glory. I, you know, I fight to pay the bills. Put my kids through college, put my sister through college, take care of my parents. And, and play with toys. That's what I fight for. Does this heavyweight title belt mean anything to you? Or? Yeah, yeah, I do want, I do want the, uh, I do want the uh, heavyweight title belt because uh, my my boxing coach Bobby Remmer said that uh, he's had a lot of champions, but he's never had like a heavyweight champion. So uh, he would he would be really uh, happy if if uh, if I get that, that um, heavyweight belt, so he can say he's trained a heavyweight MMA champion. So there is that. Oh yeah, I want I want the heavyweight belt. I want to win this tournament. I want the belt. But you know, being honest, I, I, I fight because this is this is my career, and 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 I've had too many kids over the years, and they get expensive. You got to put them through college. Well, I know I got two kids that are going to college for sure. I got two kids that I, I know they ain't going to college. <laughs> are they following your footsteps? One of them is my seventeen-year-old Raja. He uh. He's been wrestling. I've been seeing like, and I sent him home. I sent him back to Memphis, my hometown, so he can get some some southern raising because he he's too much like me. If I would have grew up in California, I don't know if I would have. I would grew up in Orange County. I don't think I would have made it here to be a fighter. It's too much, too much, too much trouble there. Where you, you know what I'm saying? It's different type of trouble than what I grew up in Memphis. It's like uh, it's weird. In Memphis, you grow up fighting on the street. You may. You know what I'm saying? Hang around people, you know, you may jump in a stolen car. You may, you know what I'm saying, be hanging around drug dealers and stuff like that. But in Orange County, you might end up being a drug dealer or doing weird drugs and stuff like that growing up in Orange County. So I sent him to Memphis and he started wrestling. And um, I watched I watch his videos and stuff. 
he's wrestling just like me. You know what I'm saying? Picking people up and slamming them the same way I was doing at that age. And, uh, you know, and I, I've seen his stand-up. His stand-up is pretty good. I think if he, if he, um, if he really wants to, he really buckles down. I think he'll be a better fighter than than I, than I was. And he's expressed he wants to fight. Yeah, he wants to fight. I don't see I don't see him being good at nothing else. I ain't gonna lie. He's he's my clone. I don't think he'll be good at anything else. This is your son, who? Raja, my seventeen year old. He's seventeen year old right now. Senior or junior high school? I don't know what he is. I don't know what he is. He. He failed a couple of times, just like I did. I don't. I sent. I sent him to Memphis. You know, saying he's a junior though. I'm just messing with you. Last question, guys. Quinn Nigel said that you guys had some issues going back years ago. Doesn't remember really what they stemmed from. Do you have any recollection of, of those issues? I just remember. I just remember he was talking shit about me when back when he was 85, and I was wondering like, I didn't know who the hell he was at first. Like, who is this Chael Sonnen guy? I didn't know what he looked like, and uh. My old manager and stuff, right? They had to show me, and I, and, I, and uh, somebody was telling me that he was that he was talking shit. I'm like, why are you talking shit about me? He ain't even in my weight class. But I can't remember if I was champion and stuff at that time. But it was around that time when around that time when I was champion, or or right after I fought uh, Forrest, around that time or before around the time I fought Dan and somebody. I can't remember, but it's around those around those time. But no hard feelings with him now. No, that, you know, uh, uh, his his old manager. Because I said something I said something publicly. I said, I told Chell like keep his name out of my mouth before I slapped the shit out of him. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't know that. I talk shit about my opponents, but if it ain't in my weight class, I ain't got nothing to say about you. And um, then and I'm friends with his manager. He told me, he said, "Hey man, you know, saying, uh, you know, Chell cool people and stuff like that. He, uh, you know, saying he kind of explained everything to me. I said, oh, okay. And then I said, man, next time, you know, you should give me a heads up because you know, you know me." You know, his manager knows me. I'm like, you know me. I don't play that shit. Then um, I, I met Chell years later after that. You know what I'm saying? Then, then, then I met him. When you meet him face to face, he's a humble guy. You know, I like I like humble people. He's a, he's a cool guy. He's good for the sport. I still think that he should have went to pro wrestling, though. I think that he, he would have done Because I, I used to be a big pro wrestling fan, right? I could see Chell and some, some bright red Speedos with the, uh, with the damn... Knee braces on and some big black patent leather boots out there pro wrestling, jumping off top ropes and shit. Y'all can't see that? As a heel. Yeah, as a heel. As a bad guy. As a bad guy, yeah. yeah. You like pro wrestling? Oh, I love it. Yeah. He mentioned that you, you made a comment about not wanting to be taken down by him, but he was thinking, I don't, I don't know if he was really serious about that because you have good wrestling skill. Well, I, I, honestly, I would be, I'd be surprised if Chell could take me down in this fight because I've been concentrating a lot on wrestling and a lot on, uh, you know, saying all different types of takedown defenses and and you know, saying my takedowns is is getting better as a result of it. You know, I, I've always been a defensive, uh, I've always been a defensive wrestler, but when I go in the fights, I get so caught up in trying to. Knock people head off. That you know, wrestling goes out the window when, when you throw punches and kicks and stuff into it. And I haven't been kicking this up that that much lately because of wrestlers. But uh, you know, when you trying to knock somebody head off and they trying to take you down, it's, you know, what I'm saying it's kind of it's kind of weird. So, you know, once you find that little happy medium, you you can, um, you know, what I'm saying you can become a really good um, defensive wrestler in MMA. But uh, 
it, it, sometimes I some it just I don't know. Sometimes I, I get it done, I get it right, and sometimes I don't. Like I remember when I fought uh, Kevin Randleman, I was so worried about him taking me down. I just figured like if he took me down, it was gonna be so hard to get back up because he was just really good at it, ground and pounding and, and keeping you on your on your back. And it takes so much energy to get up. So I was like, you know what? I just gotta make sure he don't take me down. And that that was one of my most proud moments fighting a wrestler because uh, he couldn't take me down. And I and I and I trained really hard. And I focused really hard on wrestling. So that's, so I took it back to there. And, and from here on out, any wrestler that I fight try to take me down, I'm gonna make them pay because I'm sick and tired of fighting all these damn wrestlers. And, and the promoters, they they must love it. They must love seeing me fight those stale-ass wrestling matches because they keep throwing me throwing wrestlers at me when when why why wouldn't they you know throw strikers at me but hey so now you know saying so I fight a wrestler he try to take me down I'm gonna make him pay. Quinn, uh, the UFC, go Quinn, the UFC is doing a big event same day as this card. I'm not Michelle. surprised. Chell said he's competitive and he wants to beat the UFC. He wants to be able to go for and beat the UFC that night. Do you, do you care about that kind of thing? No. You want me to be honest? No, I don't care. I'm focusing on winning this tournament. I can't focus on everything. I can't focus on winning this tournament, beating the UFC, who getting it right now. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. When I first came to Bellator, honestly, that was part of my that was part of my plan. I left I left UFC because of that whole Reebok thing. They wouldn't let me wear Reebok back in the day and stuff and that. Kind of you know, it's kind of you know. Taking sponsors and stuff away from me, and I, and I kind of told Bjorn like, "Hey, I'm down, man. Put me on free TV whenever they have a UFC fight, and let's try to steal some of their numbers." No, I was, I was, I was in that mind frame back then, but I kind of got the short end of the stick of all that stuff because Bjorn, we all know what type of person he is, and uh, so now I, um, right now I'm just focusing on winning this tournament. I really want that belt, and uh, I, w- I want to, you know, say I want to be remembered as. As you know, what I'm saying one of the most exciting fighters, uh, and I want I want people to, like the, the ones that 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 counted me out, like to be like, damn, Rampage did that. He 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 won that he won the heavyweight heavyweight tournament. So I can't focus on what UFC got going on. I don't give a fuck. <laughs>
Roadshow, all one word. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code Roadshow. You're going to save $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, and you're going to have fun. All right, so an extended conversation there with Quentin Rampage Jackson. Plenty to say there. You know, Rampage is one of those guys that over the past couple of years, you know, sometimes it's been tough to listen to him just because it's kind of a, you know, the world is against me type attitude or whatever. And, he's, you know, I think some of it was brought on himself. But, I mean, he has been going through some contractual issues and all that. But uh, I don't know. I, I kind of enjoyed this conversation, uh, to be honest with you, you know, when I was listening to it for the first time. That's why I wanted to share it. You know, I like right off the bat where he, where he talks about the difference between American fans, excuse me, and Japanese fans. It, it, it's wild. I mean, it's, and it's it, man, it's hard to criticize fans, right? I mean, you know you're not going to get much support in that. But, man, that is a sentiment that a lot of people have is just that, you know, how much different the Japanese culture was during the Pride heyday. And, and of course, Quentin Rampage Jackson was, was one of the biggest stars in Pride. I mean, he lived right through all of that. I mean, the guy is, is, is Pride royalty. And, you know, that, that attitude of that it's not necessarily just win or lose. You know, it's, it's the effort that you come out there and bring. And if you bring that effort, you know, the crowd's going to support you. And, and you know, they have more of an honor and a respect for the athlete. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's a weird situation because I, I don't, you know, I'm, at the end of the day, wins and losses do matter. They they really do. But I don't know that they should necessarily be everything. You know, as, as Quinn said, they you start getting fighters who fight only to win and they, they stall out and they, they don't take chances and, and you know, I don't think that, that just looking at somebody's record, wins or losses, is the proper way to evaluate, you know, whether they're worth your time, worth your money, worth being on a show. I really don't. And, yeah, you can't go out and lose every time. <laughs> you can't go out and lose every time and be like, well, the guy put, you know, puts on a show every time. But, I don't know. I wish there was, you know, a, a better way. You know, good friend of the show, Alex Davis, is has you know, wanted to implement a system where, you know, there's ratings for fights, basically, and and fighters, not only do they get a, a win and loss record, but they basically get a, kind of a rating, a, a star rating, if you will, or whatever, of, you know, how exciting they are, and, and that, you know, is evaluated over the course of their career, and it goes with them as well, so, you know, you can say, well, I've got a guy here that's 15 and 10, but he's always in, you know, an average of a four-star fight out of five or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, there's some work that needs to be done to it, and and and, and we've talked about it, and he's he's actually run a piece on MMA Junkie about it. Um, but of course, he also manages a lot of fighters, and he's back and forth between Brazil and the United States, and he's, you know, doing a lot of different work, and, and it's hard to have that spare time to kind of work on pet projects or whatever. But you know, there is something to be said for that for sure. You know, it's it's not just wins and losses sometimes. Uh, Quentin also says he's walking around at 255, 260 pounds. I listen. I know that this this heavyweight tournament is going to get some criticism, and we'll have to see how it plays out. I guess to to see if it was, you know, a a, a mistake or a good thing. But I listen when I, when I first heard the news and and was first able to report the news, I'm down for it, man. I I like the idea. I just Bellator's got to do what they got to do with what they have, and and this to me is the greatest collection of talent. And, and 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 the best single reason for them to to do something. I mean, this to me, this is the best thing they could do. I think this is going to get a lot of attention over the course of a year, and I'm down for it. And is it a little bit of a freak show? Hell yes, it's a little bit of a freak show. But that's all right, man. I'll take a little bit of a freak show. <laughs> you know, 
I'm okay with this. I really am. I think it's going to be entertaining. You know, is it going to determine who the number one heavyweight in the world is? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And maybe it's ironic then that, you know, the same night that this thing kicks off, you know, at, at Bellator, 192 at UFC 220. That's where the number one heavyweight in the world will be determined. No question about it. Francis Nagano, Steve Miocic, no question about it. But I'm still down for it. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be fun. I, I think it's going to be worth following over the course of a year. And I'm telling you, man, I wish. I, I know that Dana White and the UFC do not like doing tournaments, and I get it. And I'm not a fan of single night tournaments. I'm not. You know, making a guy fight twice in one night. You just never know what you're getting the second time out. You know, one guy wins in 30 seconds, the next guy goes 15 minutes, and then they got to come fight. Nah, not really down for that. But, man, I love the idea of this Grand Prix stuff. I, I wish, you know, one Grand Prix a year, pick one division, and and just, you know, grab eight, 16 if you want to go that deep, but at least there's eight. Now, can you imagine grabbing numbers three through ten in a division? I mean – the UFC has the majority of the top talent, right? So whatever division you pick, it's going to be loaded up. But, I mean, I just think it'd be great, man. You know, lightweight right now, while while we don't know what's going on, you know, maybe Connor and, and, and Tony Ferguson aren't in it. But you got, you know, and I'm just going, just pulling up uh, our MMA junkie records. But imagine, you know, a lightweight Grand Prix over the course of the year that includes – Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Habib Nurmagomedov, Edson Barbosa, Nate Diaz, Kevin Lee, Michael Chiesa, and Benil Dariush. Go on, man. That would be fun. So I don't know. It, you know, if if uh, if in the Endeavor area, era area era, if in the Endeavor era, they're gonna embrace some change and look at different things. I, I like the idea. We'll see. You know. I guess if this heavyweight Grand Prix just turns into an absolute disaster for Bellator, the UFC is probably not going to pay attention. But man, if it gets a, a bunch of a bunch of headlines and, a, and it turns out to be a success all year long, maybe they'll think twice about it. So, wishful thinking, perhaps. I've never heard anything that would suggest they're thinking that. But I would be down. I would be down. All right, uh, okay, listen, I promised to bring in Mr. Cole Coffee from out there in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Hopefully his recording gear is still working in the uh, freezing freaking weather up there, but uh, he's got the young Mike Bond alongside of him, and uh, I know he wants to bring you a couple interviews that, that, they, uh, that they picked up at Media Day today, uh, including, you know we got to hear from Platinum Mike Perry. You know damn good and well we got to hear from Platinum Mike Perry. Uh, always enjoy hearing from him, and uh, I know he's got a couple other tricks up his sleeve. So uh, I guess we'll just turn it over to Mr. Cold Coffee to update you on how things are in Canada. Hint, cold. Uh, and, uh, yeah, what else is going on up there on the ground in Winnipeg? It's cold, John. That's our update from Winnipeg. Thank you very much for listening. No, I'm kidding. But, yeah, guys, it is cold as hell. It is it is snowy outside. There's all that white stuff that I moved thousands of miles away from. Not cocaine. <laughs> Not cocaine. There's still plenty of that in Vegas. Uh, but, yeah, we're here in uh, lovely Winnipeg, nice and cold. And I am happy to be joined by the young Mike Bond and also the soon-to-be newest resident and currently resident, uh, or you can clarify it more, but uh, Chamakar Sandu. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Yeah, all good. Happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, just a quick update. Um, but I recently completed my permanent residency to Canada 
it was uh, quite a few years in the making. Um, Did you have to learn like the the uh, anthem or whatever? Is that like how you pass the test? Yeah, no, the oh, secret Canada. handshake. Yet? No, not yet, Mike. Oh, maybe uh, one day. Once, I, once you actually move there, permanently, yeah, I'll I, show you what's up. I have to. Um, if I want to become a citizen, I'm allowed to become a citizen in about three years. So we, I guess we can get cross that bridge when we get to it with regards to the secret handshake and what have you. Oh, so you uh, got three years to learn the anthem. I do. The yeah, and the anthem okay. as well. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, look. I mean, uh, it's been a, a few years in the making. Um, my wife is from Toronto, and the uh, the the long term plan was always to relocate to Toronto. Uh, but that aside, yeah. you know, it was always my hope and you know dream that you know I would one day end the anguish of staying up until six o'clock <laughs> every Sunday morning watching you know MMA specifically UFC events. Uh, and now I will gladly take uh, an East Coast uh, finish time of one one thirty, which some yeah. people still get annoyed about. But for me, uh, that is a, a blessing from the heavens above. Um, so yeah, so I'm here for a couple of months. Um, that's when I get my permanent resident card. I'll then head back to London, uh, most likely spend the majority of 2018 there. And then the uh, the plan is to make the permanent move around September, October of next year and I'm really excited about it. I dig it. Well, that that is the epitome of a, a MMA junkie right there. Literally moving to another country just to make your taking in of MMA that much easier, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, it'll get painful pretty quick. Those, yeah. those easy, once you get acclimated to the start time, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's still it's still painful. Well, let's talk about the weather out here, guys. Uh, were you guys prepared for this? Were you surprised? Me, personally, I had to dig out whatever layers of clothing that I could get to sort of layer up. And I did uh, have a beanies, which here in Canada, what do they call them, Mike? We call it a toque here. A toque. Yes, it's a toque, not a beanie. We I, don't, did... I don't know how the distinction <laughs> came into came into play a there, toque. but okay. We did say that it was so cold outside that uh, he'd have to double up so it would be like a Connor and say a fook. <laughs> <laughs> a two and a two is a fook. My, my father-in-law was calling it a toque. And, and actually, um, for the very first time in my life, I had to buy a parka jacket. Just for this trip and, and potentially the Boston trip, you know, in, in January. Yeah, and all your days in Toronto. And all my days in Toronto, considering how cold it might get. So, so yeah, and like, I've never had to, you know, wear something so thick and padded and insulated right. in, in London. I mean, it gets cold during the winter yeah, in London, yeah, yeah, but yeah. not this cold. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's brutally cold. It's, it's pretty brutal. It is, but surprisingly, it's actually warmer here than it is in Toronto right now, is which really? is like a freak thing. Yeah, everyone's saying all week, Mike Perry even made the joke, you know, he said everyone's telling me all week that it's like 10 10 degrees warmer than uh, usually it would be this time of the year in uh, winter. And I told them that I'm bringing the heat to Winnipeg. Yeah. So classic Mike Perry, just, you know, tying it all together. <laughs> but still, that's uh, it's definitely a little you know, warmer here. I thought it was going to be like minus 30-ish, which I don't know what that actually is. And your guys' temperature. One. I think it's like, yeah, one, something like <laughs> I that. I don't know. But either way, it's, uh, it's cold. Whether it's minus 20 or minus 30, it's still cold as hell. So distinction without a difference. In that yeah. Moment. And I think the listeners should know that cold coffee, as me and Mike were entering <laughs> his fine establishment, i.e. the room in the hotel, he had the bloody fan on. And it was like Arctic inside as it is outside. That's so. how we do. We hang meat. We ha- I hang meat. You know, <laughs> Morgan. I know every time he comes in, he's like, "Dude, are you serious? Like, you could hang meat in here and it wouldn't go bad." Kenny's meat locker. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how we do it. That's how we do it. You know, and granted, the the worst part is the hands for me outside. It's just so cold that I don't have gloves. Like, I have the beanies or the toques, 
but I don't have gloves. I haven't had to wear gloves in seven years, you know. So uh, our fine friends at MMA Fighting went out and hit some stores, and uh, the lovely Esther picked me up some gloves. So nice. I'm looking forward to tomorrow to get uh, get those gloves. But it didn't help just a second ago when we braved the, the cold, cold streets to get us our frosty beverages for this for this taping. But, you know, that's what we do for our art, you know. We will take the punishment. We will take the punishment. But, hey, let's get on to uh, why we're here, the UFC on Fox 26. I mean, what are your initial thoughts on these cards? I mean, I, you know, a lot of times cards kind of get tucked off to the side. They just come fast and furious. But when you're looking at this card, what do you think? It's kind of a, a weird one because on paper there's some, you know, some amazing stellar fights. Uh, fights that, you know, should mean something, should have some relevance, you know, in terms of you know, potential contenders down the road. And it's, it's, it's weird, like, you know, Dana White comes out and says the winner of would you know um lawler and rda would get the next you know shot at woodley um but we all know in the modern day ufc you know what that actually means and you, you can't exactly go to the bank and ch you know cash that check um and speaking to you know rda and lawler today that they weren't exactly kind of giving or oozing the confidence that yes you know i've got that in writing from the ufc that if i right. if i win on saturday night i'm going to go and get this title shot against woodley and then all of a sudden woodley's got now a shoulder injury there's rumors of him potentially coaching tough opposite colby covington um the media turnout isn't exactly, you know, big on this event. Yeah, media it's, day was a little bit thin. Right. It was a little bit thin today. And uh, it's, a, it's a Fox card. It's a big Fox card. And, and you, you know, I'm a Brit, but you guys know the, you know, the, the relevance and, and what this means here more stateside than I do. But, you know, historically, Fox cards are usually packed and they're stacked and there's tons of media coverage, there's tons of stories. This one just seems a little bit on the quieter side. Am I, am I right, Mike, or, or what? Yeah, I mean, sadly, that's kind of been the, the trend for Canadian events outside of, you know, the absolute biggest markets. Even we had a pay-per-view a couple of months ago in Edmonton where uh, Ken and I were there and there was not a whole lot of media turnout yeah. for there either. So it was pretty much the exact same people almost, you know, yeah. changing up a few people here and there. So, yeah, I mean, unless right now it seems like unless they go to Toronto or maybe Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver, you're going to get these similar things. Like I remember we went to, where was it earlier this year, Halifax. There was, I think, three people at the media day. It was uh, not the greatest turnout. Not to say that, you know, Canadians don't embrace their MMA or whatever. They're just going to these these smaller markets and people aren't, the traveling media who typically go to big shows aren't just aren't going out there for those. You think that's what it's, it's just talked up the fact that this is just a smaller market? I would think that, I mean, while Canada is such a strong overall area for MMA, is it only really in the major cities? Is it just in the Toronto? Is it just in the Montreal? I mean, I mean it's, it's tough because you're going to have like a, either way today, like you're going to have your local news station. Like There were a couple, there were, there were two today. They're going to do like their, their hit pieces, but they're not going to go into media day being like, okay, all eight fighters, like, let's see, let's see what they're doing. See what, you know, ask the questions we would ask yeah. during pre-fight interviews. They just yeah, want, there were a lot of them that, that were just sitting right behind yeah, what, over what your guys' shoulders. What do you think of fighting in Winnipeg? Like, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And that's usually what you'll get, uh, which, I mean, for the UFC, I guess that kind of does it enough for them because they're going to be on local TV. It's yeah. not like there's this wide range of TV channels that, you know, you're going to pick from. If you're checking into your local news, you're probably going to see a hit on sure. this. And for them, I guess that's enough. But, right. yeah, I mean, you you don't see, like, the, the Brett Okamoto's, the Kevin Iolis, like, these different people who work for Yahoo right. and ESPN. They're not coming out to these shows. And, I mean, that's, I guess that's what makes us, you know, MMA junkie. That's what makes MMA fighting MMA fighting. We cover, you know, essentially every show and cover them in the same way. And that's why, you know, we have ours tuned into. 
you know the MMA audience and MMA media as we are. So that's just kind of the way it is. And uh, I don't really know what the UFC can do to get more media out for this. I mean, put on better cards, I guess. Yeah. I, I think that's really the only solution. But for you know some of these outlets, I guess just the cost effect of you know covering these shows maybe isn't worth it to them. Yeah, it's definitely tough. It, but yeah, you're right. It was definitely a little bit thin today. But let's go into the media day today. You know, speaking of, we just we just did say that the uh, it was a little bit thin, but didn't mean that there wasn't any shortage of excitement when it came to the face-off that we saw today. I mean, we definitely saw the exciting parts of uh, of Mike Perry, you know, and we'll get more to that a little bit later on. But I thought for the most part, when you get to the main event, there are two fighters that are very, very respectful for of each other, but they're also very cordial, very friendly, but they know they're going to get to go in there and, and throw down. But let's before we get to uh, Rafael, give me your thoughts on what you saw at the face-off today and, and uh, what you're thinking of that, that main event that we have. Well, seeing them face off for the very first time, the size disparity is clear to see. Yeah, it it really does look like you know, um, you know, the, the bigger end of a lightweight fighting. You know, someone like Robbie Lawler, who used to be a middleweight at, at some yeah. point in his career. You know, he's a big welterweight, and there was a massive size difference between the two. And this is going to be a for, for me. I really think it's going to be a tough fight. For, for Dos Anjos. Um, I don't think, you know, um, Lawler is, is that at the end of his career where he can't right. still put on some right. killer performances. Um, I think, you know, um, he'll come out of the blocks fast. Um, I think he'll, you know, put the pressure on RDA. And But, but just seeing the demeanor between the two of them today, I kind of just got the sense that Lawler seems the one that is a lot more comfortable uh, in his skin coming into this fight. RDA, when I was interviewing him, he, he seemed a little distracted. And maybe that's probably because I was the, the last guy to interview him. And I was just maybe, to get out of there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was maybe throwing the, you know, the same questions at him. Um, and Lawler isn't exactly the most media-friendly guy in the world. And he kind of just gives us cliche answers without yeah. really you know, you know, allowing us to kind of peel the onion and what's really going on and ticking around in his head. Um, but Lawler seemed to be the one that was a lot more comfortable, happy to be here. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the fight. You know, Even though if the winner doesn't get the next title shot it's still going to be a good litmus test to find out well okay can rda really hang with the top echelon of the welterweight division uh, and also where you know to find out if robbie lawler still has it you know at this age and at this stage of his career i think that's great and before we hear from mike let's uh let's listen to the audio that we got from rafael dos Anjos, and we'll see what he thinks of this upcoming event Rafael, uh, you just start, stared down with Robbie uh, just a few minutes ago. What, what do you see? Do you size him up? Do you look in his eyes? What do you kind of take away from these pre-fight stare downs? Yeah, man, he's a tall guy. He's going to be the bigger guy tonight you know, on the night of the fight. But, you know, I feel that all these guys, they could be better than me, but on fight night, I'm better than them. There you go. And I mean, I think probably at this point you're not too worried about the size. You just beat Neil Magny, who's one of the biggest guys in this division. So does that make you feel, you know, that no matter what, they look like in terms of frame that you're capable of beating anyone in this division? Yeah, sure, man. If you step on the scale, make 170 pounds, we're going to go there and fight fair and square. Yeah, And I mean, obviously, you know, headlining a Fox card for you. You've done this before. You've been here as is Robbie. Uh, does this feel special at all to you? I mean, you've headlined pay-per-views, headlined Fox cards. Does this do anything for you in terms of, you know, getting you a little more excitement, motivation, anything like that? Yeah, sure, man. Fighting open TV is always good on Fox and... It's good because a lot of a lot of fans they 
they, they became fan, MMA fans because they watch Fox and you know they was they watch UFC on Fox and it's great to be on this show against a guy like Robbie too you know it's just just a straight up guy he's a fighter no trash talk involved just go there and fight hard and that's it. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a couple facts about Robbie Lawler's career and I want you to respond to them. First one, uh, he has been hit. 781 times significant strikes in the past five years. That's more than anyone in the UFC. What do you take away from that? Yeah, man. I, I, I you know, like I know he has a couple more miles than me on his body, and I feel that I just move up. I know I just, I'm just fresh. I'm just renewed on that division. I'm not running down, you know, like run out. I'm just feel, I feel on my moment right now. And the way that I feel, I feel that I'm going uphill and Rob is going downhill. That's what I'm, I feel right now. He has the highest takedown accuracy in terms of taking people down. I think he's like 16 for 20 in his UFC career, which is the highest accuracy. What do you take away from that? Yeah, he's, you know, he's a good wrestler. He doesn't use that much on his fights. Got a good takedown defense, good takedowns, but we haven't seen much on his previous fight. Just like my jiu-jitsu, you know, like... I, I, I don't take many people down and people don't see my jiu-jitsu much, but you guys were able to see last fight, but he's still a high-level wrestler. He has never attempted one submission in the UFC or strike force. Uh, what do you view as a fighter that's never even tried? Yeah, uh, you know, I know like by watch his fights, I know like the way that he comes, he's gonna come strong on the first. He's gonna try to solve the puzzle to finish the problem fast. That's what I'm thinking. And he he's a kind of guy that don't come to do an extra hour on the octagon. He just come to finish. But I'm gonna be able to capitalize that and you know take my time. And I think my speed, my conditioning, and my technique will be will be the key on that fight. Originally, Dana White said this was a title eliminator. Winner is getting the next title shot, Tyron Woodley. Uh, Tyron said yesterday he's planning on getting elbow surgery. And there's also rumors out there that he could be coaching the ultimate fighter against Colby Covington. Where do you stand right now? What happens to the winner of this fight? Are you going to get a title shot or are you uncertain now? Yeah, I, I believe in what he, say, he said first, you know, what Dana said first. But I'm... I'm really focused on Robbie right now, but of course, uh, uh, I have that picture on my mind, you know, fighting for the belt, getting the belt, of course, you have to visualize that, you know, and I'm still, I'm still competing because I'm thinking about the belt, I'm thinking about being a champion. Uh, by the time that I don't believe that I can make it anymore, I will, I will stop, I will, you know, retire, but as of now, I believe that I can do it, and... We'll see. I believe in Dana. Dana's first uh, 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 answer that the winner will fight for the title. But let's see. Fox 100% on Saturday get a great performance, and let's see what happens. And this is obviously an enormous platform, network television. Tyron is going to be in the house, you know, doing the Fox desk. If you win, are you going to use that post-fight interview to maybe you know send him a little message and try to push it yourself over the top? Yeah, uh, of course, uh, and you know. My goal is fight for the title. My goal is to become two division champion. And uh, every goal that I set on my life, I accomplish. And I'm sure I'm going to accomplish that one too. All right, and there's Rafael Dos Anjos. Very, very, uh, always fun to hear uh, from him. I think it's always good to hear from a champ, you know, and just kind of get their mindset because he was a champion, 
you know, lost it. I think a lot of guys can could probably go downwards from that point. And this is a guy that I think most people think he's fighting better than ever now. So very, very interesting. But let's switch over to his opponent. You know, another former champ. I love when we got two former champs fighting, you know, that are like striving and working different to get back to in different weight classes too, you know. Uh, very, very interesting. But, uh, Mike, give me your thoughts on when, you know, looking at Robbie today. You know, it's funny, you know, we all knew Robbie comes in. You know, we've all done enough of these that we know that nobody wants to be that first person that gets in line because you never know, just like in a fight, what Robbie you're going to get. So there was that point today where we lined up. And we we're like, all right, we're going to we're going to take first stab. And I saw the local news guy who wasn't going to interview, who was just kind of tucked behind us. And then I was thinking, I was like, oh, man. Me, Mike, what do you think? Maybe we'll switch off to the side. We'll let somebody else take first blood, you know, and then we'll tuck back in. So we moved over a little bit. And then the cameraman moved. I was like, no, nah, bro, you can go. You can warm him up. He's like, no, nah, I'm just kind of just tagging along. And I was like, okay. Well, they didn't even, okay, bring, okay, him. They didn't even bring him in to, like, the latter part, yeah, too, which is which, interesting. Which kind of like, worked out. You know, half the, half the session, and then we kind of just stood around, and we were all, you know, it was, you know, me, Ken, Sandu, and Casey from MMA Fighting. We were like, okay, who's going to talk to him? We are like, yeah. should we just all tag <laughs> team this scrum. Let's just tag team this one. <laughs> And I'll go in and see what we can do. And I mean, it was okay, but it definitely wasn't uh, any Robbie Lawler magic. There is, uh, it was a strugglesome ten minutes for a few there. Yeah. Anyway, so it's typical Robbie Lawler. It's what we've come to expect. What's it's kind of funny because you know, you know, usually what happens on a lot of those things, me and John will have these brainchild. We're like, all right, we're gonna get in front of the guy. Let's just get it. We'll knock it out. And we always pick the guy that they show up last. So today would have been another case. So maybe it's me. Maybe (laughs) I. You know, the one that bring I happened to pick the guy that uh, that always comes in last. But we did we did finally get him. And I thought it was good. I mean, I, I liked the bit that he opened up at the end. It's funny because the interview was like pretty much I thought was over. And then Casey kind of jumped back on, you know, and asked him about, you know, not taking, you know, submissions attempts. And then you kind of got to see that that side of Lawler that you don't see a lot of times where he actually like laughed. He, he joked a little bit, you know. And you're right. He seemed so comfortable today that you know well let's be honest i mean the guy's fought so many times i mean like he's not gonna get the jitters like an up-and-coming guy he's been a champion you know he's lost it and he's he's striving for it again you know this is a guy that's as comfortable and as you know i guess well educated when it comes to the fight game as anybody you know but the comfortable how comfortable he was definitely looked uh more so than than rafael but also, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it just uh, it's amazing. And if that's what if you base on part of how somebody's going to perform is with how comfortable they are through the fight week, you know, how good they look on weight. I mean, neither one of them looked like they were struggling. Both of them looked like they still had some weight to lose. That's for sure. I thought they both looked, uh, you know, I don't want to say plump, you know, coming from a heavy plump guy like myself, <laughs> but they looked like they still had some, you know, some, some work to do before tomorrow's weigh-in. Well, but I think we're still getting used to seeing uh, Dos Anjos as a welterweight. Yeah. So used to seeing the lightweight version of him all sucked out, you know, struggling yeah. on these d- days before, and now he doesn't cut much weight. He's a lot more high energy throughout the week. So it's definitely nicer to see. But I think, you know, just naturally for all the years we've seen him at lightweight, he's still growing into that welterweight frame, probably trying to put on muscles. So yeah, it's probably why where the where the plumpness came from. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we enjoyed the interview that uh, that we had with uh, Robbie. So uh, let's bring you a little bit of the interview that we got today from Robbie Lawler. Uh, Robbie, um, obviously this is your first fight internationally, but you're not exactly traveling too far. Um, do you ever regret perhaps not fighting you know, in other parts of the world, like Europe or Asia or Brazil or any places like that? Uh, no, I just I just go with the flow and wherever they uh, book me, that's where I show up and fight, I guess. 
You haven't spent much time outside though here, it looks like. Just hearing you talk yesterday, it's just all, all hanging out in the room pretty much? Yeah, hanging out in the room. It's a little cold out there and uh, it's 70 degrees in my room, so it's a little nicer. Does this type of weather, I mean, I don't know if this is a stupid question or not, but does it make it more challenging to cut weight for you guys or is it just only if you're you know, doing things outside? Yeah, it doesn't make it hard for me. I've lived in the cold before, obviously not a place this cold, but uh, just do everything indoors, uh, bring your plastics, bring your sweats, and just go to work. And you're, you're a guy who, in the past, you know, your home was at starting out at welterweight. You moved up to middleweight, came back down. Obviously, Dos Anjos is moving up a division here. What are the challenges that, you know, when you go up and you're fighting elite fighters at a weight class higher than where you're typically used to competing? How do you, you know, make adjustments for that? Um, you just go out there and be as strong as you possibly can and, and be tactical and try to beat the other guy up just like you would at uh, the weight below. Uh, the pace might be a little slower, so I mean there's definitely advantages to moving up. Would you ever consider going back to middleweight? Uh, no, not really. I feel like I'm good at this weight. Uh, I'm not too heavy. It's not a hard weight cut for me, so I feel comfortable. Uh, in the build-up to this fight, Dana White's gone on the record and, and said that the winner of this fight will get the next title shot. Have you had any more communication with Dana and kind of do you believe him when he kind of says that? No, I haven't had any communication with him, but I'm not too worried about that because you got to win first anyways and then you'll see what happens after that. So just focus on the task at hand. Uh, go out there, try to showcase my skills and, and put my best foot forward. Should you win, do you think the, the last couple of wins would put you in a position to get a rematch with Tyron? Yeah, I mean, obviously a win always gets you closer to your goals, so uh, we'll see what happens. I know, you've, you know, when you first came back to the UFC, it was a pretty frequent pace of fighting, and, you know, it's been a little bit slowed down this time. Uh, Tyron said yesterday that he's planning on getting shoulder surgery, which will keep him out, you know, who knows how long. For you, if you win this fight, I mean, do you, are you content with, you know, taking some time off if you need to in order to get a title shot, or do you want to, you know, keep the flow going here? I'm going with the feel. I'll see how I feel. See uh, what's going on around me. There's a lot of different variables. There's training partners getting ready for fights. There's coaches getting ready for fights. So you have to, and how I feel. So it's uh, a lot of uh, variables that I need to make sure all are that are all aligned for me to take the fight. This is, I believe, your second fight uh, under Henry Hooft and the Combat Club since leaving ATT, correct? Um, what have they given you and what have you got there that perhaps you weren't getting before ATT? Uh, no, I mean, uh, really good, there's really good training partners everywhere I've gone. Uh, it's all about uh, diff different skill sets, making sure I'm sharpening all my skills, working top to bottom. Uh, yeah, it's just a good atmosphere for me. Uh, since you fought Don Cerrone, you know, uh, earlier this year, he's you know, lost a couple more in a row. Are you surprised to see you know, him on this, this little skid right now that he's facing? Uh, I don't really pay much attention to everyone, and I'm not trying to be surprised or shocked by anything. It's just I'm living my life, and they're doing their things, and we're just watching. Fox is obviously a massive platform, so you know you're in the main event. You're headlining. If things go your way, you win. You know, will you have something prepared or planned to say um, using that platform to try and get that title shot against Tyron? I don't have any plan, anything planned to say. I'm just gonna go out there and be me like I always am, and uh, that's it.
Last thing, I mean, a little more fun question here, but it's the holidays, New Year's coming up, all that stuff. Do you make New Year's resolutions, whether it's, you know, career-wise, personal-wise, family-wise, anything? Do you kind of, do you do that sort of thing or no? Uh, not really. I just do those kinds of things every day, like things I want to change, how I want to improve, and uh, just because it's a new year doesn't mean I should start something like... I'll just do that every day and every day of my life. If it happens in April, then do I have to wait until the first? So no, I don't do that. And after all these years, um, do you still enjoy doing the media? Oh, I love it. It's great. What's your favorite part about the media? <laughs> Answering all these questions, light shining in your eyes, you know, all the good stuff. You told Brett Okamoto yesterday that you, you talk about with your friends all the things that we're kind of asking you about, right? Is that accurate? Is that was with the quote that you kind of gave him when he asked you what you talk about, you know, at home with your friends when it comes to MMA? And you basically said, I talk about what you guys asked me about? Yeah, but I was joking because I don't talk about this shit. <laughs> I'm at home relaxing, talking about other stuff in life. Is, is, is part of that because, um, like, I don't know, is this a... Is this a is this a job? And like a lot of people, are like when you take you don't want to take your job home. Is that part of it, or you need to separate compartmentalize your life a little bit, or maybe just no? Because I've never really been much into this kind of stuff, and uh, yeah, take a little step back. I don't need to be involved too much. Enjoy my fight. Go home. Relax. I train every day. I'm around fighters every day. I don't need to be in it like all the time. Do you, do you watch? the UFC events on Saturday nights? Uh, yes, yeah, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So just all depends if I have a guy fighting a guy I know, then I'll watch. Yeah. What do you think, of, how's Rockhold going to do coming up here in uh, February against Whitaker? Um, obviously, Rockhold's, uh, Whitaker's a uh, really tough guy, so Rockhold's uh, doing a great job training. He's got to get ready, and it's going to be a tough fight. Yeah, what do you make of George St. Pierre? He comes back from four years, holds the title for the lo the shortest title reign ever in UFC history, 33 days before he vacates it. Uh, does that, I know you said, you know, you're not surprised, shocked by any of this stuff, but when you watch that as kind of an observer of your fellow fighters, did that, you know, take you off guard a bit to see him give up the belt so quickly? Uh, I'm not commenting on that. I'm going to let everyone else talk about that. Because, uh, yeah, I just feel like... No, I'm not. <laughs> I feel like you have something you want to say about this. No, no I'm good. It doesn't need to be said. Like, I guess maybe you don't know the answer, but like, how have you kept at such a high level so long when your past opponents, say like Johnny Hendricks, is like they're just a bit of a shell of themselves. Like, how do you? What's like? What's the secret? You <laughs> know? Uh, I don't know. Just trying to get better. Uh, I've been a f I've been fighting my whole life, so. Uh, a lot of these guys maybe are learning tricks now and learning how to fight, but I've been doing this my whole life, sharpening my skills and and always trying to improve. Uh, even when I was losing, even when I wasn't doing well, I was improving, I was working, and I knew I was better than what I was showing. So uh, I always believe in myself. Even after a loss, I believe that I'm better than that and uh, that I can showcase more than I showed the last time. Do you feel you've maximized your skill set at this point, or do you think there's still, you know, a lot more room to grow for you as a fighter? Oh yeah, there's lots to learn. I don't, I don't know a lot of these uh, skills out there. I'm learning every day. I have really good training partners. There's lots of different uh, techniques out there. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows all the fighting techniques there are in the world. Have you thought about at any point how long you want to do this for, really, or is it just take it fight by fight, see how you feel? 
Yeah, fight by fight, see how I feel. I'm enjoying myself. Uh, my body feels good. My training partners are doing a great job with me, and, and I'm learning, so it's nice. You're talking about learning new techniques and everything. Um, I saw someone tweeted, um, it might not be true, but since your strike force run all the way through here, you haven't made one submission, you haven't done one submission attempt. Your entire last 20 fights. Yeah. But I, I, I assume you train submissions. It's just when the fight, when it comes down to fight night, you just haven't seen the opportunity. Or yeah, the opportunity to just like present itself like with a bow, like hey, here I am, <laughs> take this. Yeah, I mean, I work on all the aspects. I've been training uh, and grappling for 17 years and. It's just not something I look for in fights, and it hasn't really presented itself, and I'm not looking to to grind somebody <laughs> out with a submission, I guess. When, you, when you're training, though, do you enjoy the grappling part as far as the training process? Yeah, and I enjoy the work. Uh, that's actually like a kind of grappling for me, so I just kind of go through the motions, make sure I'm, I'm strong in those positions, make sure I'm good on the bottom, strong on top, and... Uh, yeah, it's, it's more like a, uh, when I train, I train more for fighting. And I'm not trying to, like, score points, I guess. I'm, like, get trying to get into a dominant position, lock a guy down, and, and beat him up if, if I am grappling. And, you know, as we're talking about kind of weird stats here, you have the highest takedown accuracy in UFC history. I think it's, like, 77%. And, you know, minimum 20 takedown attempts kind of qualifies you for that. I don't know how many you actually have, maybe 21 or 22. But does that surprise you as well that you've... Yeah. <laughs> but still, even then, you know, 75% of, 76% of 20 is, is pretty good, right? Yeah, it's all right. I just, it's the best in UFC history. It's better than ours. Yeah, I just look for uh, the best right opportunities to get takedowns and uh, easy takedowns, like stuff where I'm not going to waste too much energy and blow through the guy and get an easy takedown. There is the former champion, Robbie Lawler. Really looking forward to that fight, guys. I think it's going to be one hell of a fight. But speaking of fights that can be one hell of a fight, are there, are there sleeper fights on this card? Are there other fights on this card that you guys are really looking forward to uh, that maybe somebody doesn't know much about? Well, being a Brit, uh, I've got to kind of uh, highlight uh, the, the Brits that are fighting on this card. And... And sometimes uh, I think we were talking about this yesterday, Mike. You know, sometimes I feel like you know the matchmakers get together and and they you know they know the locale that they're going to hold an event on uh, or an event at, and they start to kind of go through all the nicknames <laughs> of fighters, and they start to figure out, oh, well, that'll that'll be fun if we put so and so in that event. Yeah. So considering how you know cold it is here in Winnipeg, is it we, cold here? It's it's pretty cold, Kenny. <laughs> it's pretty cold. Um, we've got Danny Hot Chocolate Rob. Roberts fighting on this card. Um, you know, Danny had a rough year last year. He actually, um, you know, brutally got destroyed by Mike Perry uh, in Manchester. But he's bounced back, and yeah. he got a he got a win earlier on this year. And, and now he's going to be the curtain jerker uh, taking on um, Nordin Taleb. So look out for that one. I, I think Danny's kind of like starting to mature as a fighter, and I think we're going to start to see the best of him now yeah. um, as we move forward. I um, did see him in the elevator uh, the other day after the meeting. He did not look in good source. I don't know if that was really? a tough. Cut or maybe he just had a rough practice or something. Mm. Yeah, he looked like he was uh, 
kind of had his head leaning against the elevator and didn't look like he was in a good mood. But that could be a lot of things. It doesn't mean just the weight cut. Maybe he's pissed off at a at a coach, but he looked like he was in not happiest of sorts. So I guess we'll see what happens if something should come up with the, the weight cut tomorrow. But uh, figured I would come in and I'd say that I did see him in the elevator. Didn't he? Didn't look too happy. But yeah, I could be reading way too much into it. You know, like he is cutting weight and. You should see me, not that I cut weight, but when I get grumpy <laughs> from not eating. <laughs> well, look, we've got Danny Roberts, and we've also got Darren Stewart, uh, who's taken on uh, Julian Marquez. Danny Stewart coming in on uh, very short notice. 35 uh, days. Exactly. Um, but, you know, um, he's a pretty comfortable middleweight, so I don't think he exactly had too much weight to cut. Um, and given the fact that um, Darren Till was supposed to be a, a guest fighter, and I yeah. actually spoke to him a few days ago, and unfortunately um, he couldn't make it out due to some personal reasons, he wouldn't going to go into details or elaborate any further um, but it kept him back in England and we just you know all of us Dad and Till yeah the if, Morgan, if Morgan was here, he would he would burst. He what? He would do the glass, He would do the Glaswegian accent yeah. for Darren Till, the <laughs> oh, Scouser. Yeah. Um, and then we found out literally, I think a short while ago, we all got an email um, from uh, the Fox Sports PR team that um, the the luncheon tomorrow is cancelled, yeah. where Michael Bisping was supposed to be one of the featured guests there. That's so, true. So have Darren Till and you know Michael Bisping, you know two of the you know obviously better known British fighters, uh, not making out of here. Uh, I guess it's all going to be on Darren. Uh, uh, Stuart and Danny Roberts' shoulders uh, to fly the the flag for Britannia. What about so to Pietro speak. Menga? Well, I was going to give you the the leeway there uh, uh, or the segue. Sorry, Mike, but you go into it. You know, Pietro Menga, a lot of hype about this guy. You had uh, the the time to speak to him the other day. Um, you know, MMA Junkie gets it. exclusive special prelim access mm. to fighters. You know how we do. And uh, and Mike got a chance to speak to Pietro. Um, so yeah, so you know, maybe give us uh, your thoughts on you know what you took away from that conversation. Yeah, nice guy. Um, obviously, a big opportunity, tough UFC debut to be fighting Tim Elliott on short notice. Uh, That's it, a tough one. Yeah, pretty interesting story for him though. I mean, f- he was saying that his plan as of two weeks ago was to fly to Vegas for the Ultimate Fighter tryouts, which I believe you and John Morgan That's attended right. the other day in Las Vegas, and he was the only media there besides Helen Yee. There you go, Helen Yee. Shoutouts. Um, he he's fighting at 125, but he's shout outs. <laughs> I see what you did there. He was intending to fight on the Ultimate Fighter at 145 because he is undefeated. I believe he's 13 and 0, so he would have qualified for that season. And now he's fighting at 125. 13 and 0. Yeah, 13 and 0. Oh yeah, he was going to were... be fighting two weight classes above where he naturally competes. Yeah. He wanted to, he was going to try out at featherweight, and he's a flyweight, but. Yeah, he said, you know, asking him, obviously he prefers this avenue, not having to live in a house for six weeks, yeah, yeah, not yeah. having to come in on the tough contract, yeah. all these different things. This is a better situation for him. So, you know, win or lose, we'll see what happens. As we said, Tim Elliott, super tough entry fight, but he's got his place on the UFC roster now. I'm sure, you know, he feels he's going to win this fight. He called Tim Elliott's style unwatchable. He said he hates the sloppiness MMA is wow. about, you know, clean technique. Tim Elliott's the antithesis of that. He doesn't like it, and he's going to expose him and teach him a lesson, all these things. But he feels that his real UFC debut is going to come at the UFC event in London in March. That's a card he wants on. He wants to get you know a big fight there. And I think win or lose, he probably gets a spot there. But he feels that he's going to get a win here. And then everyone's going to know him going into a fight in London where he's going to be celebrated for being a Brit. Wow, fireworks. That just sold me on the fight. Now yeah, I, really yeah. want to, I mean, I've always been a fan of Tim Elliott's fights anyways. Like, even though maybe it's not the, 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 the perfect you know, version of MMA, like, you know, like he says, Tim Elliott is always, always fun to watch. Uh, so that's, now I'm even more excited. But it's funny you say about the, well, I was thinking about the the 13-0, and 12-0, whatever. 
the the requirements for the tough was three and zero, but there were a lot of cats that were there. Well, not a lot, but I heard that there were some people that were two zero and one. So they were <laughs> wow. undefeated, Sneaky. but they had three fights. So yeah, I mean that's kind of is that scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit? You know, they're already starting to reach out and like, oh yeah, you want to be undefeated, but now you're like. You're threading the you know you're you're threading the line really really close there. I mean it's a challenge because I think it makes sense going for the undefeated thing because you don't look what just happened at this past season Ultimate Fighter our championship fight was supposed to be yeah. a, what was it a four and two fighter versus a three and two fighter something like that yeah. and then obviously you know Sajari Eubanks pulled out but either way um, I think they want to avoid that again I yeah. mean and on the Ultimate Fighter it's just so tough because you're already scraping the ball of barrel this is season twenty seven I've had so many people on this. And then we have Dana White's Contender Series. We have Dana White looking for a fight. Like, there's so many ways to get into the UFC now. Short notice fight. There's putting on so many fight cards. You know, if you're a good guy with a good agent that has, or a good manager that has a good relationship with the UFC or matchmakers, you don't need to go through the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. So, like, you know, and why put yourself through that, through that stress? Yes, you'll be on TV, all these things. But look at this season we just had. It was a championship belt on the line. It was the lowest ratings ever for Fox That's Sports. That's true. So, like, what's what's really the upside of going on that show anymore? I can't really say. So, um, I understand why these people would try out. But, yeah, yeah. I, uh, 2-0, 2-0-1, 2-0 guys, you know, I expect that's what's going to come out. But... I'm sure maybe hopefully they can find a gem. I mean, Pietro Manga, he seems like a guy that could be interesting. If he went on that show, who knows what would happen, but he's in the UFC now. Without yeah. Well, I know you watched that. You watched the season really closely because you did a lot of the recaps. Every season stuff. since season 18, right. baby, every episode. <laughs> so had it Check been. Check those recaps on MMA Junkie. <laughs> <laughs> so had it been the matchup that it was supposed to be uh, with Sajara and, oh, and, 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 and Nico, uh, who do you, do you think Sajara would have took it? Man, she was looking real scary. She was on looking that show. real she scary. She's just so big for 125, yeah. which obviously she couldn't make the weight. So yeah. yeah, and she's just so powerful. Her frame is just enormous. I mean, it's hard to say because obviously, you know, Roxanne is such a completely different style. But you know, she Sajara seems really legit. I mean, yeah. her, her power is there. Her striking is good. She's a black belt in jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, she's extremely yeah, difficult game to is, take is down because she's so strong for the weight yeah. class. So I mean, if she can get her situation and her life sorted and everything and make that 125 cut healthily, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with in that division. I, if they fought, you know, tomorrow and uh, mm-hmm. she made the weight, I'd probably pick her to beat Nico. Even I agree. Seeing, after seeing what Nico did to Roxanne. I agree. And All right, so uh, before we close on out here and get to it, uh, the my favorite part of today outside of the, the face-offs was Mike Perry going up there and getting in their face of Santiago Ponsonibio. That was outrageous. I mean – did you guys expect it? I mean, I expected him to kind of puff up a little bit and do whatever, but before he even got onto the stage, he was already starting to jaw. I mean, did you guys expect that to happen? I totally forgot for a split second that we had Mike Perry on this card. I was, <laughs> we were, we were literally, How dare you? We were literally running from like um, the, the first portion of the interviews. Yeah, I we, guess we should break that down. The interviews were split up into two halves. So they brought in four the first four fighters, and then they brought the, the opponents came out, and then they did the, the square off, and then they brought the other four fighters. So that's what he means by... Uh, uh, the, the the fact that who was coming up on the on on deck so. right right and so and so today um, it was my first kind of gig uh, working for MMA India and I was like, the videographer I, was say, I don't think we said the name earlier but I, I didn't know if we could say what the name oh, was oh no that's fine yeah so like I've got this gig it's a, it's a, it's a trial gig for a couple of events uh, Winnipeg and UFC 219 I'm just doing some uh, video and social media work for MMAindia.com yeah. and we'll kind of we'll find out if it leads to something you know more substantial uh, in 2018 um, but I was kind of essentially doing your job Kenny I was kind of 
like shooting and I was like um, just trying to make sure everything was like you know shot right and set right and the audio was good and the, and the framing and all that kind of stuff and then so I was doing all of that and all of a sudden it was like right okay the final interview's done for, from that first um, half of the main card fight is rush over and then you've got to now see all the, all the face-offs and I'm like trying to like figure out you know how I'm gonna best be able to get a situation to film it? And there was no time to do it. They literally it was within them. seconds. Like I barely hit record, and I think I think I was in focus finally from when they got there. But I know my headroom was all crazy. But I was just like, "What is going on?" I was like, "You literally." Normally they give us a moment to kind of get set, you know, right? You know, because I'm white. Like, everyone good. Everybody yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. You know, that didn't happen today. They went. Right. They went guns ablaze, and so yeah. I can feel your pain with trying to to rush over there and then still trying to. Figure the whole thing out, and then all of a sudden, here the guys come. Yeah, and so the, and they and they come, and all of a sudden, Mike Perry starts jawing and starts. He is so loud, and there's like a very <laughs> small, intimate setting there, a really small room, not much media. There's no fans. There's not like a, a public, you know, a workout or anything like that whatsoever. Right. And um, I think Santiago Ponzanubio was a little bit taken back by it, but at the same time, he's like looking really cool. He's wearing like a slick blazer and chain and right. shades. So he's got that whole new personality gimmick that he's pushing to the forefront. <laughs> he's trying to like laugh it off. Um, but but this is what we kind of expect from Mike Perry now. You know, yeah. he really does come and he will get in your face and he will push his personality out there. He will say what is, what's on his mind and he will do whatever it takes to try and get under your skin because this is the fight before the fight. And and, and honestly, it was the the biggest takeaway from the, the the face-offs today. That's the one that everyone was commenting on. That's the one that everybody was watching. Um, some people may find it a little cringy, uh, but for me, I love it. If that's the kind of personality Mike Perry wants to put out there, it's getting him clicks, it's getting him views, it's right. getting his kind of persona out there a little bit more, so I'm all for it. Well, you know, and, and it's funny, because I think there is some, you know, while Santiago was speaking English in all of our interviews, there was a couple of times where even Mike had to repeat his questions, and the way that Perry was coming, and he's got that sort of, I don't want to say a, a drawl to it or somebody has a, a delivery in the way they was doing. I wonder if he just didn't maybe understand some of the things, but you can still, even if you don't understand what somebody's saying, you can get the body language. You can get the gestures. You understand that even if he's getting three out of the 10 words that he's throwing at me, he could probably get it that this dude's talking shit in my face, you know. And I, I, I think he was taken a little taken back, but also he took it in stride. I mean, he took it a lot cooler than what I would take it if I was up there. I'd be like, Really? For real? <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you asked the question where we, you know, taken off guard by. I slightly was because, as far as I can tell, this is the first media day Mike Perry's ever done, like in terms of face-offs and stuff. So we've really? never really seen him in this situation before. You know, we've seen Wayne stare downs, that yeah, kind of sure. thing, where he's usually intense, but we've never seen him in this exact spot where he's so that face means off. is this this isn't his first main card, is it? No, he fought uh, Jake Ellenberger and I think Alex Reyes on main cards, but I, those I believe were both just on fight nights where they didn't do. You know, so they probably didn't do something like this, yeah. John just probably okay. did your typical uh, pre-fight interviews you know, at the yep, hotel yep, yep. or whatever the case may be. Made so, sense. Yeah, we've never seen him in this situation before. So Well, thank yeah. goodness we did. That was awesome. Yeah, no, he <laughs> he was absolutely tremendous. I mean, I really, really encourage everyone to go to MMAJunkie.com or YouTube or whatever and find that Mike Perry pre-fight interview because there is just unlimited gold in there. All his quotes are money. He uh, He's just... He's one of those characters that just the way he his delivery is, everything he says, there's an intensity to it. There's uh, true passion and meaning behind it, and it may turn you on or off. I know a lot of people don't like Mike Perry. I mean, even just stemming back to the incident with Alex Nicholson, the thing that happened with yeah. the corner where he you know, made some racial comments and everything, a lot of, you know, 
the flack is still given to be to him and i know he has a past beyond that he was in jail all these different things so i understand why you don't like mike perry but he is like the quintessential mma fighter you know like every, yeah. i saw all the comments on you know, instagram and everything they're just like how can you hate on this guy he's a savage being a savage right and i think that's the perfect way to sum up mike perry it, it's very true and you know and and there's a point of like and, and it comes out in the interview that you guys will, sh- will soon hear is the fact of he wants to be this guy that's going out there. He wants to to carry and be this guy that can help represent U.S. M- uh, US uh, MMA guys. You know, like you go to Brazil, guys are all behind their guys. You know, you go to Canada, the Canadians are behind the Canadian fighters, you know. But I think, and I was trying to ask him the, the sort of question about it was like, why don't we get these big followings behind any particular fighter from the U.S.? It just doesn't happen. You know, and that's why I think he's really wants to take it onto his shoulder and speak as much shit as he can, you know, but then go out and back it up. And then hopefully by doing that, he'll earn these fans that in his mind, he thinks that most of these fans have been let down by so many guys that they don't have the heart to, to, to kind of just pick these guys. But what he wants to go out there, talk games, either galvanize you for him or against him, like he said, but then as long as he delivers – bring the people and I mean I think I think it's a that's a willing that's a good cause because I think we don't I think we have US fighters that are just happy with getting the fans to get I mean they're not really trying to take that mantle and say I will carry the US on my shoulders like we see other fighters in other countries it's hard do. to say I mean I feel like some guys have attempted that I mean if you I just don't know how possible it is in the U.S. to really, like, get that behind you. I mean, look at Chris Weidman. He was an undefeated champion. He destroys Anderson Silva, you know, Leona Machida, Vitor Belfort. And he still didn't get it. His All-American. He walks out to, like, Tom Petty. He yeah. has a flag around him, like... You cannot be any more American. He's got this New York accent. He says, join right. the team, all this stuff. Like, And he can't even like, get right. over his like, a big pay-per-view draw or anything. So if he can't do it, like I don't know who can do it. I mean, obviously, you have like Ronda Rousey, who was you know, beyond belief in terms of being a megastar. That she right. had so much support. But it's not like she was this beloved American fighter. Like She had just as many haters as she had people who support her. So, yeah, I mean, I can't speak. Obviously, I don't live in the States. I, I know. It's weird because I, I see you guys so much. I want to like, like, come on, you yeah. guys don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't I know you guys. Your, you I can't get, speak yeah, to your guys' I mean, like, culture as well. Like I don't know. Maybe just because it's such a big country with so many damn people who come from so many different places around the world, that uh, maybe it's just a challenge to get that behind you. That's but, what I wondered yeah, about I, that I really too. Just I don't mean, know. Like I, I'd love to see that fighter, but it's just such a such a crazy sport where like you know look at Chris Weidman he had his huge run imagine he had all the sport behind him but then he loses three fights in a row how many of those people are still sticking around you know to watch him fight whomever after three losses in a row so it's a it's a challenge I mean I don't really know how you break through and get that big American star I think it's always just going to be people from all different walks of life and you might get a big you know American fighter but I don't think you're ever going to be like you know this Hulk Hogan or something, you know, like Hulkamania in terms of like just this real American fighter that everyone loves. The one thing I do want to mention to bring it back to kind of Perry and Ponzinibbio, I think there's been a one of the big stories, maybe not a big story, but definitely a story this year. It, it's the fact that there are fighters outside of the official UFC rankings. You think of somebody like James Vick, for example, who ha- for, for such a long time was trying to knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door, and try and get a fight with a ranked opponent. But right. the ranked opponents are always looking forward. They're looking ahead. Who's ahead of them in the rankings, right? And you've got a guy, and you have to give credit, Santiago Ponzanibio, he's well within the top 10. I think he's maybe like 8 or 9, something in that ballpark region, right? And and he's taking a fight with Mike Perry, who, who had, does not have a number next to his name, 
right? So I got to give Santiago credit there, but I, but I think you know Perry was you know he's I think he was ranked for like two weeks, right? And, and we can go into a whole. He was fifteen, then he got bumped out by yeah. someone, Darren Till or something. Yeah, yeah. UFC has Santiago as number ten right now. Number ten, okay, so he's number ten, right? But he's still like other fighters in other divisions. Maybe like what right, I want to fight the number eight, seven, six, five. Always guy. forward, you're always right. forward, You're right? Always so forward. you got to tip your hat off to Santiago for taking a fight against Mike Perry, who's a dangerous knockout artist. You know, he yeah. doesn't lose that many fights. You know, and typically he ends fights. And so I think this is going to be another. You know, if Santiago comes out on top here to have a win against Gunnar Nelson in a main event in Glasgow, and then to potentially beat Mike Perry, who although doesn't have a ranking next to his name, is still kind of got a massive personality. He's one of the draws for this card overall, both in sure. viewership and. Looking on YouTube right now, he's got the most views. He's out got of, the clicks, right? Everything that we've had today. People like Mike Perry. And yeah. here's the thing, right? Going back to what Mike said, whether you like him or you don't like him, people are not indifferent about Mike Perry. They're, they're emotionally invested one way or another. And that's the sweet spot because that means people are willing to watch you fight. And hopefully down the road, if he continues to win, maybe people will pay 60 bucks on pay-per-view to watch you fight if you can really go that far in this sport. I agree. I agree. Well, before we uh, hand it off and finally go to the Perry, because what, what I'm going to do is we're going to play the Perry interview, and then we'll just hand it back off to, to John, who's patiently waiting for us. Not really, but in the in the world of editing, it sounds right. But uh, just give you one last chance, uh, final thoughts on the card. Um, I, I don't know if – I know you guys do media predictions, you know, and things like that, but if you want to use that here. But uh, I guess just uh, before we hand it off and listen to uh, to Mike Perry, final thoughts on the card. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just generally happy to be here in Winnipeg. Um, this is my first event to experience a Canadian crowd. Um, I've never been to a UFC event anywhere in Canada, um, coast or coast. Um, so oh, that's um, weird. A Toronto event would be a really cool one for him to see. Oh, dude, Toronto! And like now that I'm going to be basically living in Toronto for the rest of my life, I think. Um, hopefully, there's going to be time for me uh, if he does fight again. I do want to see GSP, GSP in the Bell Center. Boy, that'd be crazy. It's like a bucket list thing for me to experience yeah. in in any way, shape, or form. Um, but even going back to Toronto, I mean, you know, I remember staying up and watching uh, Jones versus Gustafsson, and that is one of the best fights of all time in any weight class. And the the uh, the atmosphere that the fans in Toronto create for that fight, and then the way the drama unfolded in that fight was so spectacular. But time and time again, Canadian fans, whether it's Edmonton, Toronto, BC, they show up, they show yep. up, and they they yep. participate and they're That's knowledgeable. Um, so I'm even though I'm going to be backstage with you, Kenny, and and the rest. It's of the fun guys, back there. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. We'll, 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 have, we'll have a good time. <laughs> um, I'm still kind of like interested to kind of like experience the event within the arena in whatever capacity I'm there, front, you know, sure. backstage, you know, cage side, whatever, just to see what kind of atmosphere the Canadian fans bring to the table. That's great. Yeah, I mean, just to pick up, they'll, they'll be great. I mean, uh, especially markets like this where they don't have, you know, pretty much all they have here is a CFL team and an NHL team. They don't get a whole lot of, you know, sports. It's a rather new venue, so it should be nice. And, you know, the last time they, they came to Winnipeg, they kind of got hosed with a fight card that got completely run down. And I think the original main event was Henan Burrell versus Eddie Wineland title fight, and it ended up being Rashad Evans versus Dan Henderson, just through all the changes that happened to the cards. So, yeah, I'm glad that this one stuck together for the most part. I know we lost Jose Aldo, but that was kind of a you know extenuating circumstance that took him off this car, and I think they're really going to show out. So yeah, it's always fun to cover these events in my home country. It's a it's a fun card, an important card with some you know key key matchups for the respective weight class. So that's kind of all you can really ask for, and uh, yeah, it should be another fight. 
stay tuned to MMA Junkie for all the coverage. I love it. I like the plug there. <laughs> well, thank you guys very much for, for joining me here. Uh, I, I appreciate you guys. And for you guys listening, uh, I hope you guys enjoy Mike Perry's interview as much as we did. Mike, uh, a bit of drama there with the stare down. What was that? Uh, no? No drama. We get in, we get out. We put people to sleep. No drama. Intensity would maybe be the better Intensity. That's a good word. I like that word. I'm very intense. And I'm ready to go, man. I love this shit. So what, what were you talking about there, though? He was flipping the lights on and off or something at the gym? Yeah, it's this, it's this little thing that uh, it's like a workout now that people are doing. The light comes on and they, they put their hand over it and they're just trying to go real fast. It's supposed to be like a mental preparation thing. It gets your mind thinking about hand-eye coordination and, and speed. But I've been in the gym fighting doing jiu-jitsu, grappling, wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, doing Muay Thai, working the clinch, hitting the bag, hitting the speed bag, shadow boxing. Come on, man. I'm out here fighting. I'm running the streets. I'm I'm running rampant. Let's go, man. What are, you, are you impressed by Santiago's run at all? Uh, you know, five wins in a row. He's been doing you know, pretty well in the UFC for himself over these past few years. Yeah, uh, it's impressive. He's a knockout artist. I respect what he's done. I love I love that I got me a tough opponent, and I've said it before, if you follow me on social media at Platinum Mike Perry on Instagram, that the tougher the opponent, the better the me you're going to get. I've never been at my best. I've never been, you've never seen the best that I have to bring to the table, and the tougher the opponent, the better you're going to get. You know, there's another tough opponent on this card, Danny Roberts, that me and him had a banger. And and Santiago had a good fight with uh, Sa- um, Safadine, whatever his name is. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, the local Canadian. He's a good fighter, too, so that's a good fight to watch, you know. And uh, that fight will say a lot because Danny brought out some good stuff in me. But I- I've learned a lot since then. And... I want this man to be able to take it because the more he can take it, the more fun I'm going to have. Did you watch his last fight with Gar Nelson? I did. I watched it. Uh, that's about the only fight I really watched because, you know, I like to study from the most recent that my opponent had, you know, the most recent uh, event or fight. And, uh, yeah, it was only a minute, but it showed me I know exactly what I'm standing against. Uh, I'm going to stand in the middle of the octagon, and he's going to – bounce around and move and try to find that range and I'm going to time that range and he's going to come in and I'm not going to move I'm going to I'm going to slip out the way and catch him with the counter and I'm going to knock him out unconscious in the first round guaranteed the reason I asked is just because after that fight, Garen Nelson and his team were saying that he poked him in the eyes and, you know, that led to the knockout. He likes he likes to throw punches like a middle school girl. He likes to open his fingers and go like this. I don't know if he's trying to palm at the hands or he's – it looked to me, I've seen some videos where he was literally trying to stick his fingers in people's eye. And he also does this one too where he sticks the knuckle when if he can land it in your eye. I like that. Come with it, bro. Let's see if I – if your finger goes in my mouth, it might get bit off. I don't know. So you're, that's not something you worry about? You're not going to like have a conversation with the refs, say look out for that you know, a little more than other things? No, I think, uh, I think the way life goes, God got my back. I've been poked in the eye a few times in this training camp, and uh, a couple of my training partners were like, oh, oh. And I was like, no, I keep going. That's good. I like it. Let's go. And it didn't stop me. It didn't phase me, not for one second. Uh, this is what I do, man. I live for the pain, right? 
Yeah. Are you uh, pleased with the way the UFC's got behind you? It seems like you know, for someone with only five fights in the organization, you're getting uh, you know a lot of push, a big platform, Fox card, and everything. Is this uh, how you expect it to go, or maybe it exceeds your expectations a little bit for this point? Other than how I'm doing what I'm doing with all the knockouts, uh, the aggression on, on how I'm letting you know, obviously I believe in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Uh, first round management is definitely uh, helping me with that as well because, you know, they know, the, they know the numbers to call. They know how to get me out there. They know the media platforms. And, um, you know, we're just trying to show the world America needs a fighter like me, and I'm I'm the one that y'all got to get behind. We we need y'all support, and if you're gonna put your money on anybody, whoo, I'm the underdog this weekend. I'm paying lots of my homies rent this month. Yeah, and it seemed like originally, you know, or a few months ago when you were overseas, that maybe the Darren Till fight was gonna happen. Uh, he was supposed to be here this week. He's not gonna be now. I think he had some personal stuff going on. But is that a fight that you're expecting to have in the very near future? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a fight we're looking for. Um, but we'll see if he's man enough to come to my hometown. He wants me to wait till March, UFC London. Who wants to come fight me at UFC Orlando at the Amway Center in my hometown? Who's man enough to face me in front of my people? I'm man enough to go to anybody's town, face them in front of their people. It don't change nothing for me. It's just going to be more embarrassing for you. And it seems like uh, you, you know, there's a lot of criticism towards Tyron Woodley among other contenders, but it seems like you are one of the few guys that has a lot of respect for him. You know, every time you talk about him, it's very positive. Why do you have that outlook on Tyron, you know, as opposed to how some other people view him as a champion? I believe Tyrone is better than Tyrone believes he is. Uh, I believe he's a great champion, and, and really it's not his fighting ability that I respect so much. It's the family man that he is, the businessman that he is, the people person that he is, those are all great things that a champion should have, and those are the things that I look up to. But do you, when you look at him, are you still thinking in the back of your head that's a beatable guy that I'm, a, you know, eventually want to take the title from? Everybody can go to sleep, and if I put this hand on your chin, that's what's going to happen. You mentioned the U.S. fans and trying to get the U.S. fans around you. Other countries like Brazil, they they seem to rally around their fighters better than what most fans in the U.S. do. Why do you think that is, and what will it take to, to get the U.S. to start rallying around their fighters? Is it because they have too many fighters in the game, I and mean, what, what do you think the issue is? I don't know if it's too many fighters or, you know, maybe they've been let down so many times. They put their faith in someone. I mean, Floyd Mayweather was the best American fighter, and he was a boxer. MMA fighters come in here. They don't get the knockouts like I'm getting, and, you know, when you expect them to win, they let you down. I'm not going to do that. Man. I did that once. I learned my lesson already, and it was just a decision. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the future, and we'll see if America gets behind me. I need to get everybody tuned into this. This is the best sport in the world. I don't know why we don't have more fans than WWE. What do you think it'll take to get to that next level, the sport as a whole? Uh, Letting everybody know what I'm doing here. That's what it is. It's That's the reason that me talking is getting me where I'm going because I'm, I'm telling people what's going to happen. And then when it happens, they're starting to realize, okay, this ain't no joke. So I'm just trying to grab their attention. And uh, when they're paying attention, do something spectacular.
cold coffee. Super cold right now. <laughs> Just trying to stay warm up there in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Gotta say, man, uh, I ended up not going to this one just because you know I had family coming to town and it was it was a good opportunity. But I, I'm gonna say I, <laughs> there was never a part of me that wanted to go up there. It, you know when even Canadians are like, you know they announced this event and even Canadians were like, what? Winnipeg in December? What are you thinking? <laughs> you know when even the Canadians are saying it's ridiculous. It's probably pretty freaking ridiculous. So uh, glad I'm not up there, but I will be uh, working. My, my mom flies back home uh, on Friday, so I will be working from my uh, from my office. I'll be watching it on TV. And I gotta say, this is a pretty damn good card. Um, doesn't sound like ticket sales are doing too terribly great uh, up there in Winnipeg, but um, you know, I, 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 not being there, I don't I don't know that you know 100% for certain. I don't know what the logic behind that is. I mean. Maybe it's just so damn cold. People don't want to get out. Uh, or, you know, maybe being so close to the holidays. You know, it's always, you know, the year-end event here in Vegas, it's, it's a tough sell sometimes. I mean, I don't know. You know, people's got their money. Um, you know, people got stuff going on, right? They got stuff to pay for. And, um, you know, maybe those tickets aren't aren't uh, in their budget. So, But it's a good card. It really is. Uh, of course, Robbie Lawler versus Rafael Dos Anjos in the main event. Got to love that. Um, man. Both these guys are capable of violence. I think in my in my staff pick, I lean towards Rafael dos Santos. He's looked like a just a different animal since moving up to 170 pounds. Um, but Robbie Lawler can can just bang with the best of him. Man, I was watching the countdown show uh, the other night. Man, man, when you really just put his career in perspective, just amazing what he's accomplished and amazing that he's still competing at such a high level and you know still reinventing himself, still looking to improve. You know, not just you know resting on his laurels and you know, wanting to have a couple of money fights and go away, you know, I mean, he's still competing at a high level, so incredible stuff there, Josh Emmett, tough, tough task for Josh Emmett against Ricardo Lamas, but uh, props to Josh Emmett for stepping up, of course, Lamas was getting ready for Jose Aldo, for Emmett, I mean, hey, you take the shot, right, I mean, you put yourself on the radar, and if you lose, you know, I think the UFC says, thanks for doing us a solid, you know, we appreciate it, and, and, and you know, no harm, no foul there, um, but stepping up into the big time, Interesting that they kept the fight as the main event uh, because to me, I mean, not that, of course, Ricardo Lamas has been around. He, he deserves that. And I'm not, you know, not taking a shot at Josh Emmett. But it kind of feels a little bit like uh, like like Fresno did as well. You know, like, you know, once you had Aljamain and, and Marlon, like, why don't you up that to the co-main? I, I don't know. It was a little bit weird. Uh, because the, the fight I'm talking about, of course, is Mike Perry versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, again, I mean, sometimes it's, 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 the card structure is built. So you have that kind of ebb and flow and build up and all that. And, you know, especially when it comes to Fox, you know, they, they'll probably tell you, you know, stack the beginning so we get people in or, or whatever. But, um, you know, Mike Perry versus Santiago Ponzinibbio seems like it should be the co-main event, but maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just cause I'm a Mike Perry shill. <laughs> I love that guy, man. I love that guy. The, the face-offs today were entertaining. Just phenomenal. Uh, Misha Serkinov versus Glover Teixeira as well. Uh, I guess I should say for my staff picks, I, I went ahead and went with Ricardo Lamas. Uh, I did go with Mike Perry as well. And I actually picked Glover Teixeira over Misha Serkinov. And and I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm holding on to something there. I shouldn't be, you know, Glover Teixeira may, may very well be on the decline. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like, you know, there's still something there. 
And uh, I, I think this is a very, very key fight for both these guys in terms of, you know, is 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 Misha Serkin off the real deal? Because he came in just guns blazing, you know? Uh, and, and then, of course, he got the quick knockout loss to Vulcan Ozdemir back in May. You know, was that – were we seeing something that uh, – you know, a, a flaw, so to speak, or, or was that just a weird one? So we'll see. Uh, some other great fights on the prelims as well. Um, the the one, of course, Galore Bufondo coming back. Come on, man. Who doesn't want to see that guy fight? Uh, the John McDessie, Abel Trujillo fight. That should be a lot of fun. Tim Elliott, uh, love seeing that guy fight versus Pietro Menga. Uh, our good buddy Simon Head over in the U.K. has been very, very high on Pietro, so... Uh, he's stepping in uh, on short notice as well. And then down there on Fight Pass, how about for Fight Pass? Jordan Meehan versus Eric Silva and Danny Roberts versus Norton Taleb. It's not a bad little Fight Pass lineup there. So uh, a lot of good fights. Again, this I think this is one of those cards that looks like it could be entertaining when you're just looking at the matchups. I think it could be a lot of fun. So we shall see. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, in the meantime, what I'm looking forward to is going to spend a little more time with my family. So, uh Apologies for maybe a little bit of an abbreviated version of the MMA Roadshow this week and relying on my friends to help me out. But, hey, i got to be a little selfish and enjoy the holiday season, right? Uh, I tell you what, even though I'm not going to be on the ground, uh, I'm going to try to do a little and a half. I just love talking about the fights. I just love talking about the fights. So, uh, provided everything's going okay, uh, definitely look for that. I, hell, I, I'll do it and a half every week if I can. Uh, that's the plan. I, I just love react man I, I i need somebody to talk to as well man i'm usually by the time the fights are over my wife and kid are asleep and i, I just need to talk to somebody so might as well talk to you guys <laughs> hope that's okay uh hope you guys are enjoying the start of your holiday season as well hopefully you're getting a little family time we're gonna keep coming at you all the way through this month man we, we haven't missed a week yet and that's not gonna start now so we're gonna keep it going but in the meantime thank you very much for listening We'll be right back.